Welcome everybody to Back in Tunes. I'm your host, Michael. My co-host as always. It's Jacob. Jacob, uh, you might have noticed the theme song that I just played sucked total donkey ass. That was awful. Oh, please, don't remind me. Oh, God, I wish I could fast forward to that or just, you know, go deaf for two uh, minutes. It was like a disco-y trance. Uh, it was the theme song to the 1994 version of Fantastic Four, and uh, I feel I chose poorly. <laughs> I felt like Freddy Krueger was, you know, fucking my earlobes with his knives. Yeah. Ugh. All right, everybody, let's uh, go ahead and jump on YouTube, find the first episode of Fantastic Four, the 1994 series, and start now. All right. Yeah, oh, God. I mean, as a kid, I can't, I don't know, I think my mom, you know, she would, she would, like, turn it on, and the theme song would be on, and she'd, like, mimic the song. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. I mean, looking back on it now, yeah, it's torture. (sighs) It's fucking torture. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I should have started with another, but I don't recall the 70s or 60s song being that good either. We'll, we'll, we'll play it at the end. We'll see what happens. And, uh, right. All right, so obviously we're talking about Fantastic Four for two reasons. A, we're comic book junkies. And B, uh, the movie's coming out tomorrow or tonight. Yeah. And uh, not what I was expecting I on the review. Now, you don't care for the critics, but when it comes to superhero movies, I almost always find them spot on. It's not like comic book or uh, comedies where comedy is subjective and fear is subjective. Right. When it comes to action movies and comic book movies and such, usually I think the critics are spot on. Right. Okay, now I want to mention this. Like, what are they, if they're, are they ever going to do a Namor movie? I'm not sure. I mean, you've got Aquaman coming out, and they're practically the same thing. Um, Except Aquaman's better. There was a time where they were really pushing hard for a Submariner movie. Do you say Submariner or Submariner? I think it's Mariner, right? Yeah, I said Mariner. Um, Why well, Namor? Uh, yeah, well, used, yeah, let's just say Namor. Um, they were pushing really hard for the movie. Fox had the rights, I believe, and it shifted to someone else. I think Universal had it for a while, and Universal hired David Self, who wrote the fantastic Road to Perdition movie, and they were really like ready to go, and I believe they talked to uh, David Boreanaz. And we're talking, this is a while ago. This is like 10-something years ago, and it was right after Angel ended but before Bones started. So they talked to him about being Namor, and it fell through. And then a few years later, they talked to... What's that kid from Lost? The one that died that's on Vampire Diaries now? Oh, Boone. Yeah, Ian Somerhalder. Thank I you. Say. Uh, they were talking to him, too, but nothing ever happened. And Good. As far as I know, I'm pretty sure the rights are back with Marvel. But it's a weird situation because Namor is so tightly linked to Fantastic Four the same way that Silver Surfer is. Yes, they have their own series, they have their own world, but we know their early years being very important to the Fantastic Four. I believe Marvel has Silver Surfer back. Am I correct? I don't know. I'm not sure. As I'm... I don't know. As far as it goes for Marvel, I'm just just too annoyed by all the crying fanboys. I can't stand any of them. Any. Okay, so here's the thing. Is usually... uh, Usually I get annoyed by fanboys... Because they want it to be 100% the same as the comic book. And the problem with that is, A, some of the stuff in the comic is silly in, in, in a live-action movie. And B, uh, it doesn't give the creator any room to move. But yet, somehow, with the Marvel-produced movies, they're able to do both and make the, the fanboys happy. And I don't know how it is that yeah. Marvel's been so well 
controlled over that kind of thing where it's like yeah we get really good directors we get good writers and they give them some room to breathe but at the same time they don't go off what the character is all about which is what they've done with so many other licenses right i mean just like with avengers 2 that whole fiasco with you know the farm scene and you know pretty much holding a gun to joss whedon's head like if you don't do this scene you can't do this blah blah blah, blah. if you don't cut this out you know and joss whedon didn't really put up with any of that shit well that's why he but at the same time walked away also oh yeah of course yes and uh a third reason you know reason c as to not following the comic book that makes it too predictable there's no real excitement right it's not going to be that enjoyable. It's like you know what's going to happen. You're not really thrown off. Yeah, well, you know? also, we, we talked about this a few times before in other episodes, but the biggest thing is the racism that goes around with comic book fans. Is some people, what is it, Michelle Rodriguez was saying that they just need to write solid characters, original characters for people of color or of other sexes, and she has some truth in that. It's the fact that the studios barely, or the comic book companies barely ever develop uh, anybody who's not white. I mean, there's maybe a handful of characters in each universe that are strong characters that are used on a regular basis. But at the same right. time, so what? So what? Make Johnny Torch black. Or Johnny Johnny Torch. Johnny Storm black. Human. You know, and uh, what is it? Now they're making um, Wally West. Did you hear they announced yesterday Wally West is going to be cast? Um, and, and, yeah, and, I did. I read that. I'm yeah. actually pretty excited for that. That's awesome. So they're going out of the realm, and he's going to be black. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, Miles Morales is Spider-Man now in the comics, and people are losing their minds. They're like, well, you can't make him that way in the movies. Well, why not? Uh, good. No, I'll be swimming in fanboy tears. Yeah, okay? That's uh, what I'll be doing. I'm That's actually, my reaction. I'm actually burned out right now what's going on in the whole Spider-Man universe. And I feel <laughs> like I feel like the guys they hired to write it are the wrong guys. The guy they hired to direct it, I don't know. He only directed Cop Car, and I heard it's decent, but not the kind of movie you hand uh not the kind of director you hand a $150 million movie to. I just, I, I feel like Spider-Man has exactly. run its course for a while. I mean, I really wanted to finish. I really wanted to see what, uh, the ending of Mark Webb's uh, trilogy. Yeah, I wanted to see Sinister Six. I wanted to see Venom, for God's sake. No, I was not happy. I don't, uh, I don't ever want to see Venom again. I, uh, the, the second Spider-Man I felt was a little overloaded, but you don't leave people hanging like that. Finish the trilogy. Wrap it up. Finish your contract that you signed with the actors. Now, this is what brings okay. me to the point of the Fantastic Four movies. They have signed these kids, obviously, to probably a trilogy or more, and it looks like it might not even be this. This first one out the gate might not even be a hit, so it's all pointless. They'll have a story and just leave us hanging. Yeah, I know exactly. And plus, uh, let's let's be honest. I mean, as far as critics are slamming Fantastic Four, I'm probably sure that's like due to fanboys or you know Marvel's influence. Because, you know, they're owned by Disney, and Disney owns a lot of media. Well, Let's not deny that. Well, yes, that's true, but at the same time, but, not all critics are owned by them, and not all critics are fanboys. I mean, when you have a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes, that has to say something. I right. think that's worse than what Catwoman had. Okay, but at the same time, I mean, it can't be any worse than, you know, the Tim Story piece of shit movies. Ah, uh, yeah, those are pretty rough. They were too, they were almost sitcom-y. Uh, I, I don't know. There's, yeah, there, there are Jessica Alba. Yeah, there are literally yeah, she, moments when I'm watching the 1994 movie. And I, yeah, the 1994 movie that Corman produced. Um, I see more of Fantastic Four in that million-dollar movie than I do in the Tim story. I, that sounds insane because it's so low budget, but the thing looks like the thing. He doesn't look like a giant walking piece of crunchy peanut butter. And Yeah. I don't know. It just felt right. It felt comic booky. While the other ones just felt like, oh, this this doesn't work at all. I don't know what I'm watching here. Is this a superhero movie? It's a, 
Yeah, I know. It's like it's well, it was directed by Tim Story. I mean, he directed Barbershop. What do you expect? Yeah. Okay, I want to get back to the cartoon now. Okay. <laughs> um, the animation is like spot on. This is like the animation I saw from you know the amazing the Spider-Man cartoons. Same, of course, same studios, right? R- what's that? It's like by the same studios that developed and uh, animated the uh, Spider-Man cartoons, right? Um, that I don't know. Let me look at this up because I know that the guys this and Iron Man aired back to back. Uh, you know, it's possible because the Fantastic Four does show up in the Spider-Man animated series, and if they licensed this out, this is back when Marvel was pretty close to bankruptcy, so they licensed it out whatever they could just to stay afloat, and I believe that at this point, the same people own the rights to both of them, I could be wrong, and the Fantastic, or the uh, Incredible Hulk show. Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, I do want to say, I do recognize these voice actors. Quentin Flynn, I'm sure, is the voice of Johnny Torch. I've heard him so many times. Oh, that reminds me. Did you know that there was a radio show back in the mid-70s where Bill Murray played the Human Torch? What? Yeah, <laughs> I think it only aired once, but it was a radio show. And, uh, you know, of course, back then they didn't really have the budgets to make superhero movies a uh, reality. But Bill Murray oh. played the Human Torch. I don't know the other guys. Uh, Jim Pappas sounds familiar, but the rest of them are just, like, crazy. But in this radio show, they featured Ant-Man, Namor, Nick Fury, and the Hulk. And, and Stan Lee narrated the shows. Yeah. Oh, God, no, that's awesome. Bill Murray could pull off Human Torch, man. He's got that comedy. <laughs> he has that comedic talent. And Johnny Tor- Johnny Storm did have that as well. But, <clears throat> yeah, no, this is, like I said, the animation is great and spot on. And as you said before, they actually brought back Human Torch for this. Yeah. Because I remember you telling me, like, in the 60s and 70s, they put in Herbie All instead right, so- of Human Torch because kids were afraid of lighting themselves on fire. Right. Uh, to give you a rundown, there was two series before this. Uh, we could have picked those, but I feel like the 90s was the best representation of the series. Uh, there was one in the 60s where it was the – it's it's borderline animation. It's it, What it was was like uh, animation works in certain frames per second. 24 frames per second tends to be the higher quality. As you go lower, it's you know 12, 8, you know, 6, whatever. As you go lower, the, the slower the animation is. And uh, right. the Fantastic Four series along with like Thor and stuff like that, I swear to you, it was like stills with moving mouths. And narration, and then they would just have a movement like every like few seconds. It was pretty awful, brutal. Right. And uh, well, the Spider-Man series during that same time period wasn't too bad, but it was also extremely limited. There was a '70s series, which is the one I've talked to you about a couple times. It's pretty notorious because they refused to put Human Torch in the series, assuming that kids would set themselves on fire, which makes no sense because I don't recall anybody reading the comic book and setting themselves on fire. Of course. Oh, yeah, that's right. Lori Allen was the voice of Invisible Woman. That's why she sounds so familiar. What, what is she from? Uh, Lori Allen. She was in uh, Family Guy. She's the voice of uh, Diane Simmons, the uh, newscaster. Oh, okay. That's... Yeah, I didn't recognize she... that name. Uh, yeah, she's a, she, yeah, she's in a, yeah, she's in a bunch of stuff. That second series of Fantastic Four, it ran the late 70s. It was uh, produced by DePatty Freeling, which, you know, they made their names during the Warner Brothers year, like towards the end. And they also created the right. Pink Panther cartoons. Uh, I have never thought that they were really high-quality animation, but Marvel bought them out a couple years later, so they own all the rights to all those cartoons that they did with them. And that's when they started doing Spider-Man and Amazing Friends, The Incredible Hulk, which both of those you can catch in previous episodes of Back on Tunes up on Facebook under Back on Tunes. Ha-ha. Aha. Yeah. Oh, you know who the voice of uh, Thing was? Who? Clancy it Brown? Was... <laughs> No, Chuck McCann. Oh, wow. 
That was Chuck McCann. I'm actually friends with him on Facebook. I uh, did not know that about him. I know. That's awesome. Yeah, no. And of course, oh, at first, Brian Austin Green was Johnny Storm for like 13 episodes, and the other half was Quentin Flynn. Hmm. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then they uh, they definitely switched the quite a few people around and voice actors, I guess, or contracts or whatever, or what. I'm not sure. But yeah, first it was Neil Ross, and then I think I remember more uh, was Simon Templeman for a few episodes, who was the voice of Doctor Doom. That guy really did great with his voice. Yeah, I was looking this up um, during the late. 80s, early 90s, when Marvel started packaging up some of their cartoons, like they did uh, Spider-Man Amazing Friends, and they issued out with Dino Riders, which we did a few weeks ago, and RoboCop, but they also decided to relaunch in the 90s, and it would be that Fantastic Four and Iron Man, which were running concurrently, and then Biker Mice from Mars would also be added into that world, which is weird, because it's not part of the Marvel Universe. Right. Yeah, you know, that was, uh, it was some kind of, that was a bit of a crazy crossover. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, it was a like a different crossover was, you know, when Hulk and Ghost Rider, the animated series was around, they had guest spots. I was like, whoa, Ghost Rider and Hulk teaming up. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I have to tell you this. There was a crazy period of Fantastic Four around issue 350. Uh, the team got sucked into like this um alternate universe, Doctor Doom Castle kind of thing. Where everybody was captive except for Reed, who had scratched his way out of his tomb with his belt buckle. Right. He scratched a hole in the wall oh, wow. and he stretched through that tiny pinhole or whatever and got free and he battled Doctor Doom. And afterwards, they had to reform a new Fantastic Four team. I can't remember if it was because they were exhausted or something happened to them. And uh, it ended up being, I shit you not, Wolverine, Spider Man, uh, Ghost Rider. And shit, I'm, I'm forgetting who the fourth one was, but I, it was something crazy like the Punisher or like the Hulk, and you're just looking going, what? How did the four of these guys go together? I know. Oh, God. You know who's... Oh, yeah. And we were, actually, Ghost Rider did make an appearance on Fantastic, ugh, Fantastic Four. I can't even speak right now. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, no, he, you know who voiced him? Richard Grieco. No kidding. Booker from 21 Jump Street. No joke. That's crazy. Yeah, no, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Although I'd have to say, I, as much as I detest that fucking theme song, I think this was quite this was quite the uh, this was quite the cartoon. I mean, it what ran on for like what two seasons, twenty six uh -huh. episodes. Yeah, yeah. Mm, wow. Yeah, no. I mean, and the animation only got better and better. I mean, yeah, the coloring and the gaming definitely changed because at first, you know, they were just plain blue, looked a little cheap. Then they added in some like, then they changed up the contrast and the. Tone. and yeah the suits weren't just you know all like light blue there was more detail to them yeah the, uh, there was, the like, costumes, actual they looked black the costumes stayed the same for so long it was kind of the same the way it was with iron man uh you would go like 80 to 100 issues with the same exact outfit and someone would come along and go hey let's change this up a little bit then all of a sudden it went from uh oh, change every you know 100 uh, issues to like every 10 issues and the Fantastic Four have had some really great costumes, and then someone will come in and screw it up, and they have to go back and do it again. Ugh. The same with Iron Man. Iron Man has a new armor like every other month. Yeah, I know. It's because he constantly... I mean, it even just shows in the movies. I'm like, okay, you can't just stick with one major design. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm trying to find the main animation company behind this, and it looks like it's just it's still the same uh, Marvel Entertainment Group. Yes, you're right. All these... 
All those cartoons we mentioned earlier were designed by the same people. Uh, I think it was distributed by Saban or either financed by Saban Entertainment, of course, known for uh, Power Rangers. Oh, big time. Now, the distributor... Oh, my God, I see that at the end of every... Yeah, the every, distributor is every Disney. Power Rangers episode. And, oh, but, wow. But the original distributor was New World Entertainment. Now, a lot of people don't know who New World is because they've been defunct for so long. New World Entertainment was Roger Corman's company that he created in 1970. He decided in 1984 to sell it off to a company who offered him, like, I think $6 million for just distribution, uh, the the ability to distribute their movies and promote and everything like that. So they basically just bought the studio itself. They did not buy any of his catalog. They just wanted uh, every, everything already lined up, you know, how to get movies to the theaters. And they're, they only had a few hits. They had Soul Man, which is the most embarrassing movie ever, uh, about a white guy pretending to be a black guy so he can get into a prestigious college. And, oh, wow. And House, which is a fantastic movie, and Angel. That was about it. But New World went and bought up Marvel Comics around 87, thinking that they were going to start building this huge powerhouse. So they did those Incredible Hulk movies, you know, like The Return of Incredible Hulk and stuff like that. They did the Punisher movie. And they went out of business right as the Punisher movie was finished. And so the, the, the distribution of the movies was dead. And all they had left was this TV division. And they kept going with the cartoons for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. is the guy who owned uh, Marvel, New World, and Maybelline. I think a couple other companies. Like he owned Topps or Donruss or something like that. Jesus. Yeah, he owned a bunch of companies, but this is what he would do. He would take the money from one company to go buy another company. So when he would go buy, like, Don Russ or whatever the, the baseball card company was, he would take the money out of Marvel so they wouldn't have much to operate with. And then if that company that he bought failed, not only was Marvel out that money, they were never, ever going to see it again, and then they were in horrible debt. And he just kept borrowing on top of borrowing on top of borrowing until every single one of his companies basically went out of business or he had to sell them. Shit, dude, that sucks. Yeah, they wrote a book about it. It's absolutely amazing. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's all about how he nearly destroyed the entire the entire world of Marvel. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I mean, that's horrible. Like, what such great companies have to go through. I mean, especially, like, with the, you know, Canon Films, the one who did Masters of the Universe and... You know, Orion Pictures with RoboCop and all, who did RoboCop and all that. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's just when uh. people overspend and they don't plan ahead. I still stuns me that Orion even went out of business because in their last year of business, before they went bankrupt, they had two movies oh. over $100 million and they didn't cost very much. Science of Lambs and Dances with Wolves cost very little money in comparison to what they brought in. And yet they still went bankrupt. And you're like, what the hell? Who's screwing up so bad? How? I mean, plus that got Oscar Peake and Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor for that role. Right, and uh, so I think what it was is I think if I remember correctly, Dance with Wolves cost like $15 million and made $175 million. But they had so many bombs before those two movies that they were just on thin ice the whole time. And I remember seeing a poster, and there was even a Marvel comic book of RoboCop 3. Even the game was already out um winter of 91 and the movie never showed up because they had no money to put it out so it came out two years later and all that promotion and tie-ins were dead as a doornail and the movie bombed plus it's just oh, terrible. robocop 3 yeah yeah oh god of course it did 
putting. Oh my god, I watched that one recently, and I'm like, oh my god, I think of that. I mean, I, I only a child could like this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was the objective was to make it more kid friendly, but at the same time, come on. Now, are you? Like, you barely even, you never you... even really killed anyone. Right. Did you ever read the comic Fantastic Four? Um, I did read a few comics. I actually have a very old vintage, like '60s issue. No I kidding. can't. I don't even want to touch it because if I do, I'm afraid it'll just turn into dust. Yeah, my uh, my uncle Greg, he collected two comics like heavily. He collected uh, Fantastic Four and Spider Man, and I read all the Spider Mans. He started collecting, I think, around issue 101, 102, and he read them up until about 215, and that's when um I started reading them. And my my cousin he or my I have two uncles. They're brothers, but they're massive difference in age. And uh, he also gave him the Fantastic Four, and I just it's very hard for me to get into it because I don't understand science. And a lot of the stories are very heavy on science, so I find myself scratching my head a lot. So I, I couldn't get into the comic too much. I'd read an issue here or there. But uh, about 10 years ago, they decided to reboot it as a Marvel Knights series, and they made it more about the characters instead of the science. And I really liked that. Right. A lot of people really, really, really hated it because uh, while the art was fantastic by Steve McKinvin, um, it was about the fact that somehow Reed Richards lost all of their money. I can't remember how. Oh, wow. He lost everything. They lost Baxter Building. And they end up being basically all living in some shitty apartment, desperately trying to make money. And I was like, wait a minute. Reed Richards is a genius. How is he not able just to put one patent out there and then make all that money back? instantly exactly i know uh, or, who know, i'm guessing because i haven't read the marvel knights series at all series at all but i'm guessing i don't know doom had something to do with it to try and screw him over it which was kind of a plot point in uh you know the first movie by tim story you know about you know trying to get funding to try and get his project going to um you know be able to study that uh cosmic cloud that was coming through yeah and then of course victor don uh, dr doom Played by, oh God, what's his name from Nip Tuck and uh, Charmed. Ah, I literally just saw his name this morning. Julian, Julian McMahon? Yeah, that's it. That's it, yeah, Julian McMahon. Oh, God, terrible performance, terrible casting. Anyway, so yeah, no, he even mentions, like, okay, if NASA doesn't trust you, why should I? So it's like, okay, he probably did make a call to NASA about, you know, not funding his project. Because that way, he would be desperate enough to go to Dr. Doom. Ah. Interesting plot point. Yeah. But uh, still. Yeah, the movies are really hard. They're they're nice for a flimsy afternoon. It's like, I got nothing else to do. I'll watch Fantastic Four. But it's never like, I got to set time aside and watch this again. Like, really sit still. Like, you could work on the computer or read a book at the same time you watch the movie and not really miss anything. Yeah, I know. I mean, honestly, well, and judging from the trailers of the new Fantastic Four movie, I'm pretty sure it got heavily scientific. Yeah. Maybe that's what's throwing people off. I don't know. I know. I, I don't get it either. I mean, I, Fantastic I, Four, as you just mentioned, like the original Fantastic Four was heavily scientific. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is, isn't so much the plot. I think it's the fact that this is what I've been hearing. I don't know if it's true and I don't want to get sued, but word has is that Josh Trank, uh, who did a fantastic job on Chronicle, uh, found himself in a situation where he was over his head. You know, going from a $12 million movie to a hundred and something million dollar movie and you're launching this huge franchise, the pressure got to him and he would just hide in his trailer for days. Or he would show up and then someone else would have to like start filming because he wouldn't do anything, like second unit or whatever. And then he'd come out and cause situations. So the movie was kind of inconsistent. He was rewriting the script. So a lot of it was just made up on the spot. And that's not how you make a superhero movie. And, uh, you know, he got fired from the Star Wars franchise because of this. Or he was forced to quit. But I honestly think 
I mean, as far as that goes, that, that sounds like what happened with the island of Dr. Moreau. Yo, yeah, that's a rough one. The, what they were, they're pushing Richard Stanley out and causing all these situations. But the difference between Island of Dr. Moreau and Fantastic Four is that they didn't have a Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando screwing it up for everybody. No, I know. But if anything, yeah, if anything, like I said, it also has to do with like producers and studios who, who want this thing to happen and think it'll work. Uh, Sometimes yeah, you have to blame the studio as well, right? I mean, look what happened. I mean, that's what Andrew Garfield did when it came to uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, studios can get away by, by forcing franchises that aren't ready for franchises. And uh, I don't know. It just seems like one of those things where you're just kind of bummed. Yeah, I'll go back to Marvel, but at this point, does anybody give a shit about Fantastic Four? Even if Marvel gets it back and they can fix it, will anybody show up? It's like the way it was with Hulk, you know? It's just, uh, it's already screwed up so bad. I don't know if anybody... Unless it's going to be like Steven Spielberg who steps in and fixes it, I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, being, oh yeah, no, I mean Steven Spielberg. I mean, like I think any studio should just leave Steven Spielberg alone. Should he direct a movie? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they do. He's done whatever he did. I mean, look at Schindler's List, man. Well, he, oh. he takes almost anything. It's very rare that he has a movie that doesn't work. But but the problem is, is he's expensive. He's like twenty million dollars a picture, unless he really likes the movie and wants to cut the budget down. You're going to have to find a newbie who's willing to sign a contract, basically doing whatever they want them to do and at the budget they want it to. And there's not a lot of guys that are uh, established and experienced that will do that. Kenneth Branagh yeah. did it, and uh, I'm kind of surprised they just ditched his ass because I think the second Thor is a little weaker than the first one. And if they had stuck with Branagh, it, it would have worked. Oh, definitely. The th I mean, yeah, it did get more into the little fantasy realm, like instead of just seeing Earth and bits of Asgard. You get to see more of Asgard and all these other dark worlds. I thought that was pretty cool, but yeah, it wasn't. It really wasn't as good as Kenneth Branagh's. No, I, and plus, it had it missed the Shakespearean tone to it. Well, Ugh. I think I think the cartoon is over with. I I apologize, everybody, if it sounds like I'm an idiot. I don't have the ability <laughs> to watch the cartoons while we're we're talking anymore. Uh, I have to watch them ahead of time and just kind of remember. Uh, before we're done with this, and we move on to Bionic Six, uh, who do you prefer? Of the Fantastic Four, who's your favorite character? Oh, for me, it was always the thing. I had so many yeah. action figures of him. I mean, he was big, he was strong, he would smash through anything. Plus, I loved when he said it's clobbering time. Oh, yeah. Although, it it was just awful in the movies. I yeah. mean, I'm sorry. Right. I love you, Michael Chiklis, but fuck you in it, that it, moment. It sounds like he's saying, there's clobbering time. I got peanut butter in my mouth. Um, in the it movie... was a stupid way to introduce it, too. Yeah, in the... I think it did not... It only works in the 60s for me, honestly, now, and yeah. in my childhood. In the movies, I prefer Johnny Storm because Chris, Chris Evans is so good. But in the comics, yes, I choose the thing primarily because while I wasn't a big Fantastic Four reader, I read his the uh, his series. The thing had two series. It was called Marvel 2-in-1, where it was a thing teaming up with you know some B and C level character. And it was always kind of cool because like, who's going to show up this ep uh, issue? But then in the 80s, it was weird. He left Fantastic Four, and She-Hawk took his place. And he went off on adventures where he was like a wrestler. I shit you not, he was like in the superhero wrestling league. And it was all his adventures being on the road. And I thought that was amazing. It only lasted three years, but I was astounded by how crazy that was. Yeah, no, that is. That's, it, I mean, knowing that, no, it is pretty awesome. I mean, him getting his own comics and venturing out on his own. Like, if anyone were to get a spinoff, it would definitely be him. He was the most loved character. Even in the deleted scene in uh, Fantastic Four, I think it was either one or two, they had this toy line, and Thing was outselling all of the others. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just the coolest character. My favorite, um, there was a, a, a part. He's Jewish. There was a, really? I didn't know that. Ben Grimm's Jewish. There is a part of Fantastic Four where he was trying to fix himself, and it ended up doubling his rock. Like, uh, oh. instead of being, like, the smooth rock, he ended up being, like, a mutated, like, really sharp, jagged pieces. I'll show you a picture later. And he was like that for okay. a while. The problem is, is that he accidentally made his girlfriend into the thing. So they're both freak shows. He handled it a lot better than she did, that's for sure. I think it was Miss Marvel, actually. Miss Marvel turned into the thing. Oh, oh wow, really? Yeah, I have to that show it to you. That was his girlfriend at the time? What's that? That was his girlfriend at the time? Not yeah. The, oh, the blind girl? I think, no, 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 she kind of moved on. It was it was a weird period where the Fantasy Four really didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. And the team kept changing or whatever. And I remember that. It was right around that issue 350 I was telling you about because he turns into this super human version. I mean, just jagged and just crazy looking. It was, uh, Walt Simonson oh. did the artwork and it was fantastic. Like a mellow version of Doomsday. Yeah, but oh, yeah, you know what? You're very close. I'll show you uh, later when we get done with this what he looked like. Okay. All right, so everybody, okay, we're going to one more question uh-huh. how does the thing take a shit or piss or does he he has to have to have like a metal like steel fucking toilet bowl yeah, I mean, I shit boulders. it's does weird because how did... there was a i shit you not there was Is a this period, magma there was a period where <laughs> the thing was human and then reed made him a thing costume i, I, I kid you not he was human again and he would wear a suit that looked just like the thing, and it would give him advanced powers. He wasn't as strong, but he still had, like, superhuman strength. And I was like, well, here it makes sense because he can eat food and he can poop. But does the thing eat pizza? Does he eat a sandwich? And does he, does he poop rocks? Or does he wipe? Does he poop normal? And how does he wipe his ass with all those rocks? Do, does poop get stuck in the rocks? Yeah, I know. It does. I mean, he gets ass. <laughs> do you have to power wash does, his Will ass? he get hemorrhoids? I don't know. <laughs> I never really even thought about it. Uh, this is uh, okay. We'll have to ask. We'll, well have I mean, to ask the creators. We'll, have to talk, we'll get a hold of Stanley. He doesn't seem like he has a penis. It it seems like it's just when you look at him, it's just rock. But he does wear underwear sometimes. Oh my god, does he have like, a rock why? penis? You don't have a. Yeah, no. But in the new Fantastic Four movie, he doesn't wear underwear at all. He's naked. Oh. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if he poops. That's crazy. Maybe yeah. he absorbs it. All right, while we ponder that, we're going to take a pause and come back with Bionic 6. We are a family. I fight for them. They fight for me. As close as we can be. High in the mountain or deep in the sea. Bionic 6. We rock together. We fight for them. All right, obviously that's Bionic 6 because they said it like 12 times. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? That song was really hokey and cheesy. Like it screams of the 80s. Like everything's positive and woo. But it was infinitely better than the Fantastic Four theme song. Uh, it is, but like, 
God. Oh my God. It was entertaining. Like, uh, it was like Brady Bunch on acid. Yeah, that and, was pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, go ahead and start the episode. I apologize. I should have said that. Duh. Are you good? Yeah. But still, yeah, no. I mean, the only other drug I can think of was cocaine. Yeah, like the Brady Bunch on cocaine and LSD. <laughs> So, I, I mean, it seems crazy that I would pick the Bionic 6 from one point. I, I thought I was going to choose Fantastic Four or the Silver Surfer cartoon, which makes a hell of a lot more sense. But something about this, I saw Bionic 6, I was like, well, okay, so they're superhuman, they're a family, basically, and they have a number in it. Well, you know what, the audience for Bionic 6 alone is going to be kind of difficult to find. So I thought, well, you know what, why don't I just add it to Fantastic Four? Is that is that crazy? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, there is some contrasting, you know, they're both families, of course, the Bionic Six has two more and a giant robot monkey, evidently. And who doesn't love That's Brian? Crazy. Oh my God, giant robot monkeys! I'm there. Okay, how can a robot taste? It wouldn't even have a sense of taste. That's or a lie. was it added in? It has some sort of. I mean, robots feel emotions these days, so why not add that as well? So, oh gosh, what? <laughs> And I, yeah, kids, not everything you see in the fridge is food. Yeah, you know, I actually scoffed at watching this at first. I was like, this looks kind of dumb. But I actually watched it, and it's actually really great. I enjoyed it highly. I know, it's great, high-quality animation, already, from what I can tell. Uh, and the voice work, uh, you got Frank Welker again, who's um, like in every single cartoon that we've ever discussed. Alan Oppenheimer, who is in, in nearly just as many. And Brian Tachi is the one that I thought was interesting. Brian Tachi was... Ah, uh, crap, I forgot the name. But he was the Asian guy in Revenge of the Nerds. You know, always says hair pie. Oh, the one who plays the... Oh, God, I know who you're talking about. I cannot remember his name. Here, yeah, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find and, it. And then he ended up in Police Academy 3. And he was also the voice of Leonardo in the first uh, Ninja Turtles movie. Thank you. I just watched that this morning. I was watching Dick Tracy and uh, Ninja Turtles, thinking that we could discuss that on some future episode of uh, our other show. And I was like, well, it's been 25 years of Ninja Turtles and Dick Tracy. Let's watch them and see if they hold up. And you're like, Ninja Turtles still kicks ass. Then I saw the names. I was like, Brian Tachi, I know who that is. Oh, yeah. No, I, and you know, for me, uh, you know what? I think Dick Tracy still holds up too, man. I mean, uh, that is. That seems like a lot of noise, man. I don't know. It feels like a lot of stunt casting, a lot of noise. And the vision is kind of shaky at times. It looks beautiful. Um, I like the characters. But there are times when it feels like too much. And I never, ever feel that way with Ninja Turtles. Right. No, I mean, I still love Ninja Turtles. I mean, it really captured the, you know, grisly look of the sewer. And, I mean, honestly, Michael Bay's version makes this look like an Oscar masterpiece. I still haven't seen it. I'm not sure if I can bring myself to watching it. Uh, it'll probably be available online somewhere. Yeah, sure. Okay, so this was not your usual cartoon. This was a USA Network cartoon. In fact, I think it was their very first cartoon because USA had only been around for a few years. And while they were funded by Universal Studios, they didn't have a whole lot of money going to the channel. I think all they had at that time was the Airwolf Season 4, which was basically, oh, we're just going to reuse all the aerial shots and have a new cast and shoot it in Canada. Right. And then I think they had Swamp Thing around this time, or maybe a couple years later. So obviously they didn't have a whole lot of cash going around for these shows. Right. Yeah, I know. And of course, I mean, it does look like it's... it. I mean, the animation does kind of look like something out of, uh, you know, Sky Surfers and uh, Ultra Force. Yeah, I'm looking this is by the same animation company? Uh, TMS Entertainment, which is actually a Sega company. So this cartoon is actually kind of from Sega. 
Hey. I don't know if they bought right, them later or what. Uh, they did Lupin the Third, which I absolutely enjoy. Uh, most of it is anime. David Hayter. What's that? Oh, David Hayter was the voice of Lupin. Oh, Mighty Orbots, um, which I think we're going to... Did we try to watch Mighty Orbots and we were both miserable? I can't remember. No, I don't think so. I didn't even... I don't, I don't think I've had. It, I've heard of it. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. I could have swore they did some other cartoons that I knew. It looks like almost all anime. No, I know for a fact that they did some theatrical stuff in America, or uh, anime stuff from America. Gosh. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, they contributed animation to these uh, cartoons that were not exclusively theirs. ALF, uh, Galaxy Rangers, Sonic the Hedgehog, American Tale 3, Animaniacs, Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Chippendales, Cyber 6. Oh, I like that cartoon. Uh, Dennis the Menace, Gummy Bears, DuckTales, Galaxy High. Wow, I'm just barely into this list, and they're just killing it. We got Heathcliff, we got Inspector wow. Gadget. They did that Doom, Justice League Doom. So they're still oh, in the that's business. awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Littles. Um, Rainbow Bright. We can, we can forget about that. I want to erase that from my memory forever. The Real Ghost. Rainbow Bust. Bright? Yeah. Do you like Rainbow Bright? Because I always thought that was weird. Yeah, I liked Rainbow Bright. I thought it was cool. You know, at some point, we have to discuss some of the girl cartoons, and I just don't know how I can bring myself to discussing Like Jam and the Hologram? Yeah, it's like you read my mind, dude. Well, we need to bring in a special guest on this. Yeah, you know what? I think I have someone lined up who watched a bunch of stuff, but then I was like, well, we don't necessarily have to discuss girl cartoons. And she's like, okay, well, can we talk about Rugrats and Doug and stuff like that? I was like, dang it, all right. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wanted to discuss those, but I was like, I need someone who knows Rainbow Bright and Care Bears and the Wuzzles and nonsense like that. Someone just probably got really mad at me. It's not nonsense. <laughs> uh, the animation yep. director on this cartoon is also one of the main guys on Google 13. Uh, that's a grown-up cartoon, and it's absolutely fascinating. I was obsessed with Google 13 growing up because the video game for Nintendo was amazing. Wow. I mean... Oh, oh, excuse me. Sorry. Oh, gosh. I just lost my train of thought. I was just about to come up with a good question, and I lost it. Can I tell you something? This whole time I'm trying yes. to focus, but uh, you know I got severely injured. You've seen the pictures. My hands are a gory, yes. gory mess. And I took the band-aids oh. off halfway through the Fantastic Four episode, and the air is coming in. At first it was like, oh, it's cool and refreshing, and now it feels like someone is digging at it with a knife. Oh, it's burning. It's burning like hellfire. And uh, let me tell you this, people, while I'm trying to find something to fill this episode with actually Bionic 6 information. Um, do not clean anything electronic without unplugging it i thought i could get it before it was an issue and as i flipped it over to pull something out of a sweeper uh it turned on and uh yes it is brushes it's not blades but it moves so fast so insanely fast and it's so hard that it scraped layer after layer after layer off my finger within maybe three seconds of me trying to get my hand out. Because every time I pull my hand out, I don't know why I didn't unplug it. I panicked, and I just tried to pull my hand out, and it just it shredded them. Yeah, ow. I mean, it, it looks awful. I mean, it looks like it's – when I look at it, I feel like it's just bubbling and oozing like in the thing or some shit. Yeah, the first day it was. It was so bad. And the second day it started to get better, and all of a sudden the swelling kicked in, and it felt like my bones were going to split apart. <laughs> Yeah, my hand was like big and purple and red, and it felt like the joints were trying to tear themselves apart. So I got that going on right now. All right, so now besides that, jeez. Well, I haven't eaten anything yet, and even even then, that would not deter my hunger. Yeah. Or my state of hunger. <laughs> I would still be hungry after 
seeing that and hearing that. Now, I never saw this cartoon when it was originally on. In fact, I heard about it through someone else. Like, someone had just mentioned I was like, what the hell is that? And they told me about it. I was like, no, I've never seen that. That's the glory of YouTube. And uh, you can find almost any cartoon that's not on DVD, which this is not, uh, on there. Someone preserves cartoons. In fact, more than any other uh, television genre, cartoons are saved and posted online so you can see them. There's a history there that you can enjoy. Who do you think could, if this was to be made into a live action film, who do you think, who would play who? Um, I don't know. Let me see. Uh, well, uh, if it was 10 years ago, I'd say Laurie Petty would be fantastic. But um, Chris Pine has said too much. Let's let's go older. Let's go, um, well, how old is everybody <laughs> exactly? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. No, no, we're going too young because you know what? In fact, their leader. Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> What's that? Bruce well, Greenwood. All right, so karate. The fact that he's Asian, his name is Karate One, just seems racist. So I don't know how to tackle that. And Bruce Greenwood is genius. He should totally be be Bionic One. Uh, Mother One. If you're talking Bruce Greenwood's age, I would say Kathleen Quinlan would be fantastic. Um, all right. Uh, the girl who who is short and spunky right now? That would be great. Um, who, uh, um, Chloe Grace Moritz. Yeah, or who is in Judo again? What's her name? She's an X Men. Oh, uh, Ellen Page. Yeah, Helen, uh, Ellen Page. I almost said Helen Page would be good. Um, Sport One and IQ Sport One. You know what? Grab somebody from like nowhere, like someone who just has TV experience. Uh, right. I don't, I'm trying to think. I don't watch TV much anymore, but somebody who's really hot right now who could pull it off. Uh, what's that kid that was? Who's the kid from Arrow? You know his sidekick that played um Arsenal. Oh yeah, I want to say I want to say Colton Haynes. Is that his name? Okay. Yeah, he oh yeah, good. it is. Hold on. Yep, it's Colton Haynes. And then IQ. Uh, you know oh what? no. What's that? Oh no. Brain melting. Can't think. Well, no, I was thinking if you go older, uh, just a little bit older with IQ, you know who I've really liked is Omar Epps. Uh, he's a really great actor. He was on House for years, but he's a theatrical actor to me. And I don't understand why yeah. he's stuck doing, if not that, maybe Mackay Pfeiffer. I've always enjoyed his work. Hell yeah. Well, that would be awesome. I mean, they could definitely, they definitely need some more. They deserve more acting. Yeah. And they're guys they that are really more. solid who just for some reason or another just didn't come out. Um, I, I did want to say this. It did last two seasons, but a very, very short season. Cartoons are weird. They can be 65 episodes long, and they can be one season. Whereas if you said that about something like, I don't know, Airwolf, 65 episodes, that's three seasons or more. And uh, within this, they had one line of toys, 13 figures. It was by LGN, who made decent toys, made some of the worst video games in history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they could definitely use. Oh, uh, I mean, McKee Pfeiffer or Omar Epps. They definitely could use some work right now. I mean, McKee Pfeiffer. He's only like what worth like fifty, sixty thousand. I don't know. You know what I was right thinking? Now? I was thinking a lot of. It's weird that we keep casting the same black actors over and over and over. You know, uh, Denzel Washington gets you know all the big pictures, and Will Smith and Morgan Freeman. Well, Morgan Freeman obviously is now basically a supporting actor, and he's kind of heading towards his retirement or. I don't know, dead years. And uh, Denzel Washington is aging out of the action genre. Will Smith is starting to lose his favor with audiences. Who do we have left? Who do we have that's being prepared uh, for A-list? 
I, I I'm kind of uh, stretching because I Don Cheadle. Tyrese Gibbs. What's that? Uh, Tyrese Gibbs. I mean, he's pretty hot though. I mean, as far as action movies go. Yeah, but Tyrese has never had really a leading role. It's been years since Waist Deep came out. I think ten years, and of course before they had Baby Boy. I don't know what's going on. But Chadwick he, Boseman. Chadwick Boseman is rising, but he still doesn't have established as an A-lister. He needs he needs Black Panther to hit very well, and. Uh, he was perfect in 42 and get on up. I mean, he, he really was. could play different type. He can play different people. He can switch around. He can become different personalities. He's already proven that. Yeah, he's a leading man that is more of a character actor, which is my favorite kind of leading man. Like, they can disappear into their roles. Whereas it's not just, oh, it's just this guy doing himself again. Come on. And uh, uh, who plays Falcon again? Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think keep forgetting his i can't believe i keep forgetting his name um oh gosh it's, it's on the tip of my tongue anthony mackie thank That's you what it is. i'm sorry you're normally i can think a little bit better than this but the pain is starting to get kind of insane um is there anything else you want to say about bionic six because i kind of think we should wrap this up before i start like uh, screeching in agony i gotta soak this hand in ice honestly i think this is this is a really entertaining cartoon i it's definitely a product of its time and i will pretty much everything is more entertaining than the Republican presidential, sure. you know, nominee debate. Yeah, we're watching that. Yeah, I was watching that, and I was like, nobody's answering the questions. What the hell is going on? Could you guys actually, could somebody answer a question? And, and when the thing beep, beep, beeps, could you please stop? Because if you don't, I will sick the Bionic 6 on you. <laughs> <laughs> Practically, yeah, no, but like I said, I would definitely give this another shot. But just, like, as long as it doesn't have a hokey or stupid theme song. It was the 80s and the 80s was kind of a rough period because everything seemed to be tied to a toy line and a lot of times the animation was uh, a second thought you know oh let's, let's not focus on the quality animation and plot but then you have the things that would come along like Transformers you know they built a huge mythology great animation great stories great voice work and that kind of set the tone it's like well maybe we should try a little bit harder and I think Bionic 6 is, is that one of those first cartoons that kind of took that reign it's like okay well let's do some world building let's do some mythology let's do quality animation and get some voice actors that aren't the same exact guys you hear every single time all right everybody i think we're done here with back in tunes check us out on facebook we have a a, a page just set up for back in tunes with all of our episodes including reruns let us know how we're doing and if you have any suggestions let us know this is michael signing off and jacob all right, goodbye, uh, so long, au revoir, au revoir, say goodbye. <laughs> I forget the fucking song. I, I only watch it once. <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't All right, forget, anyway. what do you always say, Michael? I always say, be excellent to each other. All right, have a good night, everybody.
Welcome everybody to Back in Tunes. I'm your host Michael and my co-host, the most badass, toughest, roughest, I got nothing, I don't know what, the uncanny Jacob. What's going on, bub? <laughs> I had something in my mind. You ever have something like practice in your mind and then when it comes time to say it, you're just like, Bleh. Oh. It just it, like poops yeah, out exactly. of your brain. Just, just shoot me and stab me, I'm stupid, I've embarrassed myself. <laughs> Alright everybody, this episode is actually a long time in the waiting. Uh, we tried to do this actually last year. Um, this is during a time when Jacob wasn't available as readily as he is now. And uh, I was going to host uh, the Back in Tunes with a friend of mine, and we were going to talk X-Men. And like five minutes before we started to go live, he was like, eh, we don't need to talk about the cartoon. Eh, we don't need the theme song. Let's just talk about X-Men comics for an hour and a half. I was like, um, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was actually a big hit, but I still, I've been itching to talk about this cartoon, and we're finally here. We're going to be discussing the yeah. classic 1992 series, and we'll also be discussing the short-lived, but actually quite good, Silver Surfer series. Oh, yeah, he is, honestly, Silver Surfer does deserve his own movie, but just as long as it's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because there's already way too many characters as it is. Same with adding the Fantastic Four. Um, well, I, I, I think... I mean, if, plus, it, I get the feeling that they're going to go in a completely different direction with the Marvel Universe first. I think they're going to split it. With Guardians of the Galaxy taking off, you have your own other section. You have the Earth Marvel Universe, and then you have the Space Marvel Universe. You can have Guardians of the Galaxy. You can have the Inhumans, Nova, and you can also have Silver Surfer. Right. But if you brought, it, but if you like brought in the Fantasy, well, that would like push back some of the B characters who do deserve some spotlight. Right. And which is why Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer should only like uh, stick together. But as far as Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers, those do tie in. They are part of the same universe. They, they are, but Thor. at the same time, they're not requiring the two to be connected. You know what I mean? I'm saying the Guardians of the Galaxy and right. Avengers probably are not going to appear together unless it's at the very end of not. Avengers. But it's it's like uh, the way Buffy and Angel are. Is yes, they're in the same universe, but at the same time, they have their own like little mini universes where uh you know they have their own uh mythology and characters and stuff like that so they weren't intertwined yeah right no that makes sense all right so before we but get too far this because what's that okay but now we're going to be talking about x-men which is its own universe because there's so many characters to look at right a crazy amount of characters so we're going to start with the original episode uh well technically there was a pilot before this uh kitty pride of the x-men um i've actually seen it it's it's okay uh but for some reason that wasn't enough for someone to pick them up as a regular series they tried again a couple years later and this is where you see night of the sentinels it's up on youtube and go ahead and hit play now all right now i do want to know the, the 1989 one that one had dazzler didn't it oh god i haven't seen it since i was like 15 dude that's like 20 years plus ago uh, I don't know. I found oh, wow. I found a videotape of it for like this is back when VHS tapes were. If it was five bucks, that's a good price. And um, they were selling the Pride of the X Men in the mid '90s at like uh, you know when you go to outlet malls and they have that one toy store that has all the toys that are a couple years old. It was one of those places, like sitting in a bin. Oh, awesome! Yeah, this is back when like I will say. say it was. Uh, this is where you'd find all those Waterworld toys that didn't sell, you know, or uh, other movies that didn't do very well, and they had, like, just racks oh. of them. Leftover Dick Tracy toys from six years earlier. KB, right. KB Toys, oh, you know, that was the name of it. KB Toys, yes, I remember that. I, that's where I got a lot of my toys. 
prison when I was a kid, man. That's where I got my some of my Mega Man toys, GI Joe, Small Soldiers, yeah, and yeah. Uh, actually some Final Fantasy ones too. Okay, I want I, I, okay that intro. You know where they all clash at the beginning? Right, right. I could I probably could have named all those X Men because I that's how much I watched the show. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's... and I, I'm glad they start with the as far as the introduction goes. I'm glad with they started with a character like Jubilee. Like, that made her, like, within the entire X-Men universe, like, a real central character. You know, she's young, she's, like, a party age, she's moving around from house to house, and all of a sudden, her mutant powers just show up. And now she's, from her perspective, it's like a brand new thing, and all of a sudden she's being hunted, just for being a mutant. Yeah. The uh, the waves of the X-Men, uh, everybody came into the X-Men during a certain chunk of the team. You know, there's the original group, the, the core five. And then you have the second run with Wolverine, where they went all international. Wolverine, yeah, Colossus and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then I came in before this run, like uh, 1986 is when I first started reading X Men. So it was, if I remember correctly, it was Kitty Pride, Nightcrawler, uh, Wolverine. I think Cyclock, Cyclock, Cyclock. I can't. I never said. I've never once said the name right. You are cutting out very bad. This is the worst I think it's we've had. Think of a mythological creature, man. What's that? Uh, I heard you. Yeah, I know. it's like just think of a Greek mythological beast. Oh yeah, and then uh, we had Longshot. Do you remember Longshot? He had the talent. Uh, his, his mutant power is luck. Yes, I do. And then they had the mutant massacre. I, know, I started. He would never get hurt. He would just pretty much. Yeah, he was. A, yeah, he was Mojo's like. Uh... Oh, sorry. Uh, I came in right as the mutant massacre was taking off, and the team changed suddenly. So it was weird. I started off with like maybe eight issues with the old team, and then uh, it completely changed. And the you know like Angel was gone. Well, actually, he was part of the X Factor. The, the the teams were all over the place because you had uh, X Factor, you had the New Mutants, and then the X Men. And then after Mutant Massacre, they had Excalibur, where three or four of the guys went over to that team. And this is when Marvel started. Uh, I would say this is probably their pinnacle. Their most popular is when they started introducing Jubilee. That that era around, I would say, oh, I'm trying to remember how this was. Mutant Massacre was around issue 212, 213. Then they had two or three other events. It was around the time of the Extinction Agenda where Jubilee and all those guys started getting real popular. And that's when you saw X-Force. Do you remember X-Force? All right. So, Wait, no, I'm sorry. X-Force is not with Banshee. I, I had that wrong. That was... Dude, I, during the 90s, there was so many teams. X-Force was when New Mutants changed over. Cable came in, and he took all those kids, and all of a sudden, everybody looked like they had like 400 pouches all over them, and they were supposed to be extremely tough, and that's when they introduced Deadpool. Um, I think Cannonball was the leader of the team. Yeah, Deadpool. Yeah, you know, he actually was like a reverse of Deathstroke. Because DC's Deathstroke was there first before Deadpool was. Yeah. Uh, God, you remember, the funny thing is Deadpool took a very long time to take off. And I'm very excited that there's even a movie because uh, a while there, the comic book was actually canceled. And people were just like, I guess that's the end. He's just going to show up in a side character now. And then out of nowhere, oh. he just, boom, came back. Bigger than ever. Oh, you know, I think it's because um, Marvel was pissed off because Fox wouldn't sell him the rights. Maybe. Fox and uh, Marvel have a very disturbing relationship. <laughs> I know, but Marvel's being a bit of a bitch, though. When it comes to Deadpool, I mean, Deadpool looks like it's going to be great. It looks perfect. Yeah. I, he's breaking the fourth wall. He's talking to the camera. He's being his silly fucking self. You're hearing 
you're hearing you're hearing you know the f bomb drop constantly. And there's like gore. There's hear... gore. Oh yeah, and then there's the gore. Yeah, no, they got it right. They actually li- they actually listen to the fans. They gi- they're giving us a Deadpool we want to see. All right. So with this cartoon, it's funny. I didn't even know this that the original cartoon, the the pilot episode was from a company called Acom, and they turned it in turned it in late, and it had tons and tons of errors, and they refused to fix them, which is ridiculous. If, if a company pays you, um, it is your responsibility to deliver the product correctly, and if you cannot, you eat the cost. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's probably what's going on. That's probably what happened with the Fantastic Four franchise. Yeah, um, it's just it's just bizarre because they even aired it. I guess probably because they had a contract with Fox that required them to air it at a certain time. But um, yeah, if if that company had done that to something as important as X Men, which at the time was selling a million copies a month, and I would wow. have been like, "You're screwed. We'll hire someone better than you." Mm, damn, that is oh, pretty brutal. Okay, I I I do want to say something about Rogue in this cartoon. Yeah. I mean, she acts as the powers of Miss Marvel. You find that out later in the season, and then you oh oh look look at Gambit that old smoothie. <laughs> you think that's how Channing Tatum's gonna play him? Yeah, you know, of course he's not gonna have that hair. I'm almost certain he won't have that hair. Uh, I don't think Channing Tatum's oh. ever had long hair, uh, but he, I oh, think he, I, I think he'll have it. Except, yeah, no. Well, in Twenty One Jump Street, at the beginning when he's in high school, he had long hair. Oh, right. That's about right. it. Um, but um, no, honestly, okay. Fox has done great with the X Men. Uh, franchise right maybe not x-men origins wolverine that no that no no, no. let's pretend that didn't even exist yeah no. yeah no. it wasn't even r-rated it wasn't bloody i mean they did better with the wolverine where yeah. it took place in japan but i mean as far as this last wolverine movie goes it needs to be an r-rated movie it needs to it needs to have a nice big bloody ending it won't it will not be r there's no way in hell fox will release wolverine as r unless the budget is under 50 million there has to be a certain level where the budget and the possibility of making beyond that amount uh, is limited because you have the kids. I mean, if you look at any R-rated superhero movie, actually any comic book movie that's been R-rated has been difficult to even see a hundred million dollars. Maybe, but well, just a, well, I mean, heck, I'm pretty sure people will take their kids to Deadpool. They would not mind. I'm pretty sure they've been waiting around for a movie like that too. Uh, that is going to be questionable at best. That's that, I'm not sure they're going to let kids go to that one, but. Parents, you know, it's funny. Is when I was a, when I was a kid, all yeah, yeah, you can, and all ever was required when I was a kid is that you just had a parent. But now it seems like society itself frowns on you. It's like, well, like certain movies are rated R, and I've never understood why the hell is Army of Darkness rated R? Why did I need to like cause some sort of like scam in order to get into an R-rated movie? It's ridiculous. Right. Honestly. I mean, they also did a great job with some of the X movies. Days of Future's Past saved that franchise and fixed all the continuity. Yeah. And now we're going to see X Men Apocalypse. And of course, the only thing people are crying about is just the look of Apocalypse. I think, if anything, movie wise, it translates better to him looking older than you know all mechanic and whatnot. Well, it's also it's very hard to emote. They they have a real actor in there, you know, a good actor and. The fact that they wanted, Oscar Isaac. yeah, someone was showing a photo of uh, of a guy in cosplay who looked exactly like the comic book version of Apocalypse, but at the same time, you can't move your lips with that kind of costume. You can't emote, and you need a really good, uh, flexible makeup in order to do that. Yeah, I know. Or I mean, it, you can't just simply cheaply paint the lines on. Yeah, I mean that would that would just kind of take away from it. Plus, 
I mean, also, the way they kind of incorporate Magneto as one of the four horsemen does make a lot more sense if you think about it, considering yeah. like where this character's going to and where he's coming from and how much depth they've given him. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. And plus, honestly, this rendition of Younger Magneto by Michael Fassbender, this makes you love Magneto even more. Yeah, he's absolutely fascinating. Part of it's the actor himself, but it's also the fact that people... Uh, know that he's a he's a frustrating villain because I think the comics for the first like 150 issues he was a flat out villain and things started to change and he keeps going back and forth back and forth and uh, uh, he's the most fascinating of all the villains because it's like he wants to be good he doesn't understand what society the regular world understands to be good you know and plus his anger is yeah. an issue it is I know I mean he was an Auschwitz survivor he was a Auschwitz uh, Nazi prison camp survivor. Yeah. He, just because he, he was Jewish. He's Jewish, too. That's that's it. He just got thrown in there just because he was Jewish. I mean, we all know the history of World War II and those uh, internment camps. Yeah. It is. And also, yeah, not, plus, if, the way he, the way you see his point of view, how he came up, it's like you were actually rooting for him near the end of uh, first class. You know, he wanted him to destroy all those missile, those uh, submarines. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the, the cast here, and uh, this is it, literally um, when the X-Men series got rebooted with Jim Lee, uh, number one, and it sold the most. I think it, it's the number one selling comic book of all time as well over. It was like 1.2 million copies in one month. Uh, this is the team they were using at the time, and uh, I remember there being the Uncanny X-Men running at the same time, and they had, I, they had uh, the B team and the A team, and I remember the B team had like Bishop. And oddball characters. I don't think Maggot was in there yet. Do you remember Maggot? He had like two giant worms. It was a very strange character. But I'm looking at some of the stuff that the some of the characters they used. So there's the main team. You know, Gambit, Jubilee, Jean Grey, Professor X, Beast, Storm, Rogue, Wolverine, and Cyclops. Cyclops. But then you had the Cyclops. B. You had the guys that popped in here and there. And honestly, I am a I am an X Men fan, but I'm a fan of the guys that aren't very popular. Iceman is my favorite. And Nightcrawler is a very, very close second. And for some reason, they don't get much love, especially not in the movies. Um, but they have Angel. Oh, X-Men 2. Well, X-Men 2 is fascinating. And the fact that they dumped Nightcrawler for X-Men 3 is the biggest mistake they ever made. And I'm really glad to see they're bringing him back in the new movie. Exactly. I know. They're bringing back the, you know, the actual first cast of X-Men. You're bringing in Jean Grey, Storm. Storm actually starts out as a, uh, as a Horseman of Apocalypse. Yeah. You can tell in the trailer. But and she, she has the Mohawk. Upbringing. She has the Mohawk, which I'm very happy with. I know she had that look in the '80s. Well, right here in the cartoon, she always had like wild hair. This is what my mom wished about because she actually watched this cartoon with me on the mornings. Yeah. Whenever it was on, she wishes like in the movie uh, that Halle Berry had like this wild white hair like she did in the comics. That's what kind of bugged her. I'm like, gosh, you sound like a fanboy, mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> friend Joey, he actually has a tattoo of that version of Storm, the early 90s Storm, on his shoulder. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, so these are the characters that showed up in the cartoon. Angel, which um, I, I really enjoy Angel, but I think a lot of people saw him as boring, so they rebooted him as Archangel. I can't remember. Mm, did he, shoot... he became a horseman. Yeah, didn't he shoot blades, like little blades out of his wings? Am I wrong on that? Yeah. He did. He shoot missiles and blades out of his wings when he became a horseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Avalanche, who was actually part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Oh, by the way, you mentioned earlier Rogue and getting her powers from Miss Marvel. Now, I found myself at a hobby shop in 1988, 
and I wasn't really reading comics, but I was stuck there. I was waiting for someone to come and pick me up. I went to a movie, and I ended up at the hobby shop, and it's mostly, you know, hobby shops are all, like, the cars and stuff like that, but he had a small pile of comics that he was selling for 50 cents a piece, and I'm fishing through there, whatever, and I find Avengers Annual number 10, and the cover was absolutely fascinating, and I can't remember who the artist is, but it's one of those back... I really enjoyed the art of the late 70s, early 80s. The detail was very, very heavy and wasn't stylized. It just tried to be as realistic as possible. And right. this is the annual they introduced Rogue. Rogue, I kid you not. Yes, she was with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and they did some damage. But she ended up getting... Uh, Sherry had Miss Marvel's powers, but then she got Thor's powers. And she's taking on right. the Avengers, and she ta they take out her and Mystique take out Iron Man. So basically, if I remember correctly, God, it's been so long since I read this. Uh, I, basically, the Beast, um, I want to say Scarlet right. Witch, and uh, and like a few other characters. There are basically five uh, Avengers taking on the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and it's one of the most badass fights you've ever seen. It's one of the top ten greatest comics I believe ever made. Wow, it is absolutely fascinating. It's really. I, I sold it. Uh, I was broke, and I found out it was worth like seventy-five bucks at one point, and I sold it. Of course, it's probably not worth that anymore, but uh, it paid the bills. Got it. All right. So the other characters oh, wow. that showed up, of course, we talked about Banshee earlier, and why can yeah. I not remember the name of the team that he ran? He had his own team, and uh, they even had oh Generation X, Generation X. That's it. That's exactly what it was. Just think of the Billy Idol band. Yeah, the uh, the the movie was okay. It was like a pilot for Fox. It was okay. It wasn't great. Uh, <clears throat> My voice just cracked. Oh, well, evidently, <laughs> evidently. I mean, if it didn't even go through, right? It aired <laughs> on Fox once, and that was it. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. In, in this episode, they introduced Morph. Yeah, I was, love has Morph. Pretty much the same powers as Mystique. Yeah, uh, Morph is different than uh, he is in the comic. Morph was in the Age of Apocalypse. I actually walked away from X Men for a couple years because it got so confusing that I just I gave up. But my friend right. Devon, he uh, he had a huge stack of comics in college, like a drawer filled with them, and I read all of the Age of Apocalypse and everything afterwards. And he is one of my favorite characters. Oh yeah. I mean, I thought he was too. He, and then, okay, I'm spoiling it. I mean, if, if for anybody who's not watched the first episode, yeah. Then he died for a while in this one, and then he got brought back by Mister Sinister, and then Morph comes back and just goes all crazy. Yeah. You know, helping him. Hit, and there was an episode where he took on the Sentinels and he turned into Omega Red, switching <laughs> to all these like badass. Oh, Omega monsters. Red! Wow. Do you know there was a time when Omega Red was considered like the venom of the x-men universe he was like the most awesome villain you ever knew and then i don't even think they even use him anymore i haven't seen him in forever no gosh i mean he was briefly mentioned in the wolverine's revenge video game yeah. and he didn't even get to fight him he, he's like he's, that one villain that without within the plot wolverine forgot to take him on he yeah. remembers colossus telling him about some of the mutants that escaped from the um high from the you know maximum security prison area yeah there's and, a and then okay. at the end Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, forgive me if I'm going on a little rant here. But no, no, it's fine. This is I do it all the time. Like, you know, Wolverine, you know, you beat Lady Deathstrike, the main villain of the game, and then he's, like, sleeping in his bed at the X-Mansion, and he's, like, remembering what Colossus said, and then Omega Red's e name is echoing in his head, and then he pops up away, like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> there, There is a character in here that I don't think is very used anymore, but during my time reading X-Men, he became a very prominent character, was Forge. 
Uh, he had like a, a cybernetic leg and hand and stuff like that. He had the mutant ability yeah, to put. Himself. He could put together like technology, like weapons, whatever. Uh, just out of like basically nothing. He just collected all up in his mind, or was that, I guess it was like telekinetic power. It was like a could... technopath. Yeah. What? What is it? A technopath, like a technologically advanced. Yes. Like... Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's a character that's really used anymore, but uh, I'm looking at this list, and there's a lot of great characters. They could have done two or three different cartoons with so many characters. I'd be interested. Oh, I, I would love to see a cartoon from the point, uh, the viewpoint of the League of, of Evil Mutants, or Brotherhood of Evil Brotherhood. Mutants. Yeah, I exactly. think that'd be kind of cool. Magneto's point of view. But what if you had one of the X-Men undercover? as one of the brotherhood and uh he was constantly reporting and undermining the plans to take over you know it'd be kind of cool exactly yeah no something like that some kind of journal uh undercover spy uh perspective yeah there's and a, it'd have to be a, it'd have to be a newbie it would it would have to be someone that they didn't know or some reason they would turn on them something like that i don't know right something believable but there, at the same you know the whole uh i think this is like one of the biggest and greatest things about X-Men is the relationship between Professor X and Magneto. It was like the distinction and uh, differences between uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X before Malcolm X traveled to Mecca. I think I've heard that somewhere before. I think that was actually written in the mag. Did you read that somewhere? Or did you come up with that yourself? I didn't read it. I didn't, I didn't even know about it yet. I mean, just oh, the okay. way they were and, you know, looking through our history and observing. Yeah. It, that's exactly what it was. You know, Xavier's like, you know, equality, you know, being in harmony with the humans, showing us not to be afraid to coexist. But Magneto, of course, being the skeptical one and, you know, being right most of the time about how humanity is just like wants to dominate us. They're afraid of us. They'll want to kill us. You know, he's like, you know, mutant superiority. Okay. It's a downplay on, you know, pretty much, you know, show the humans that they're the ones in charge and they'll, they will do what they can to defend themselves. Uh, so this is the cartoon for Marvel, basically, that changed everything. They started using real storylines from the comics, and the mythology was really built up. This and Batman, the animated series, um, are groundbreaking. In the, in the 90s, we demanded that they be closer to the comic, you know, use the characters that we liked, and get, grab all the B and C and D characters, have them come in. I mean, Alpha Flight shows up in this for Pete's sake. Alpha Flight yeah. is a is a comic a book version. that has always had like a cult following, but it hasn't been really successful since its initial run, and uh, I feel like they're really underused. I would love to see Alpha Flight as a movie. Well, no, it would be pretty cool. I think it might have some kind of takeoff, or at least a mini series showed up on Netflix like they are doing with Daredevil. It would be expensive. It's really hard to get. Like, Sa well, no, actually, now that I think about it, I guess the only expensive part would be Sasquatch, maybe Wendigo. But uh, not when to go, um, Snowbird, and uh, but you have Shaman, you have Puck, who should be easy to do, uh, you know, Vindicator should be easy. So yeah, you know what? If uh, the Netflix starts getting some more money coming in, and those TV shows are successful, then Alpha Flight could could be a, a miniseries. Oh hell yeah, that would be great. Yeah, no, I would, I would actually probably want to watch that. All right. excited, personally. Oh yeah, what can you tell me about the uh, animation department? I mean, this animation does look familiar. Um, I believe part of it's Marvel Comics itself, but I thought it was Sunbow. Let me go back. I do want to mention that with the reboot of the whole Marvel Universe, there is a comic book coming out called X-Men 92, which is a story continuation of this cartoon. It's launching real soon. 
Yeah, it's oh, yeah, it's awesome. it's Marvel. It's Marvel produced this. They designed it and everything. Yes, uh, there's some other companies that did the production for them. Uh, there's Taiwan company, Filipino company, Korean companies, but for the most part, it is Marvel say in how it's done and designed, and then uh, Saban Entertainment distributed it. Right. Yes. And then, yeah, I was about to say yes. Yeah, Saban Entertainment—they're the ones who were behind Power uh, Power Rangers and Shuki Levy, who did the music for this, also did the music for uh, Power Rangers. Yeah, I don't know the voice cast. I'm looking at this, and I recognize a couple names. This must be a Canadian company that did the voice work because these are not the voices we always see show up in the cartoons we talk about. Amazingly, yeah. this is the first cartoon in, like, months where we don't see the same um, – good God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? Jennifer Dale, she's a Canadian actress. Brett Halsey, Canadian. This has to be uh, – Jennifer Hale? Jennifer Dale, she's a Canadian actress. Oh, These are, it must be voiced up in Canada. Uh, it's a lot cheaper to do it up there, I believe. Marie Steenwent, yeah, yeah, this has to be Canada. I never heard of any of these voice actors. They just, But they did bring to life and really personify the X-Men characters for me. I mean, if I were to watch any other version, those are the ones I always look to and compare them to. Right. I mean, there's no Frank Welker, so obviously this is not here. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. All right, so yeah, we're at the end of X-Men. What? pretty much all i can say for x-men yeah you know what i miss doing this show when we're in the same room because i feel like we didn't interrupt each other as much true <laughs> all right everybody we're gonna pause real quick have silver surfer ready to go all right weird that i even bother to say hey we're gonna pause we'll be right back because for the listener there is no it's like a half a second pause between them so i'm probably gonna have to stop saying it because it seems kind of stupid right <laughs> all right silver oh, surfer it. here's the funny thing is i don't even remember this cartoon i found it by accident and i was like what i don't remember there ever being a cartoon and it's really good yeah no i remember watching this as a, a kid although i was upset because i found out there were no more episodes because it was no longer in production which was a shame because it was awesome it's very mature this feels like a jump like a 200 percent jump now the the cartoons that marvel was putting out at the time were really good but this is just amazing this felt like it was for grown-ups oh yeah i know although i'm not sure if my mom i know my mom and dad watched x-men you know with us when it was at first out in 92 yeah but this, we were just like, you know, kind of wash on our own when we had the time to. I mean, there are times where, you know, we'd have to go to grandma's and we'd miss it, which was a shame. But, you know, for kids, we'll live with it. And the, funny, <laughs> the, the cool thing about the cartoon is the fact that uh, it looks like Jack Kirby's artwork being put out there. You know, there's other artists that were known for Silver That's Surfer. Like, uh, John Bashima like, was part of the big run where around for like 50 issues was amazing. Ron Lim is the guy I know uh, that drew Silver Surfer, and I thought it would look more like that because he drew very muscular, very of-the-time kind of look. But no, they decided, let's go old school. Let's go Jack Kirby, which is much more um, – I'm not a huge Kirby fan, but this fits it perfectly. Yeah, and he was also one of the co-creators of Fantastic Four. And that's actually where Silver Surfer first appeared. Yeah. 
The uh, some people swear by Kirby, and there's times when I look at his art, and I'm just like, the faces, man, the faces look weird, and the bodies are all stretched out and odd. Oh, look. But that's his style. Early... Some people love it. Indeed, and that was some early uh, computer-generated imagery. Yes, uh, they, they combined both. The computer imagery, while it is early stages, it still looks fantastic. Oh yeah, I know it does. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that. That's for sure. I want to say, okay, right here at the beginning, it does show the Kree and the Skrulls, which I think are becoming a huge part of the space Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, as we've seen in Guardians of the Galaxy, it heavily focused on the Kree. But I think it only briefly mentioned the scrolls. Yeah, this is uh, already within a minute or two of this cartoon starting. They've already built this huge world, this intergalactic mythology, and that's exactly the right thing to do with this. Yes, you have to give the origin story, but you could have been lazy and just focused on Silver Surfer, and that mm -hmm. was it. Pretty much, yeah. And now they're just creating this huge world and the relevance of Galactus, who I think... Wasn't he around, like, when the Big Bang first happened? Uh, you know, I don't know anything about Galactus. I know Jack Squat, besides what I saw in the movie, uh, which is which completely is incorrect. He's a storm. And uh, basically... He's this giant storm energy yeah, entity. I, I didn't even read Silver Surfer in the beginning. The very first issue of Silver Surfer I ever picked up was, in fact, I believe the very first gimmick comic book. It was issue 50. It was about the return of... Um, I'm having a brain fart. Who's the big bad villain? Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, Thanos? Thanos, thank you. I'm an idiot. Uh, I almost said Darkseed. I'm like, no, Darkseed's their universe That's version. DC. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be the return of Thanos from the great beyond. He's supposed to be dead. And basically, mm. they have uh, a silver surfer in foil, embossed cover, whatever, coming at you. And I saw this at Walgreens on the spinner rack, and I was like, holy crap i have to pick this up and at the time comic books were only a dollar i think this was a dollar 75 and i was like "Ooh, mm. do i really want to spend the extra <laughs> this is ridiculous that i was oh my god 75 yeah. more cents but i gotta get it and uh that's the first time i ever read silver surfer in fact i think it's the first time i even ever saw him in anything mm, okay dang that's cool to know it's a great way to introduce him at least have it be that story yeah and then, of course, almost immediately after that, they, uh, I think within like a year, they, they did the Infinity Gauntlet miniseries, which is still... It, I, I, earlier, I had said Avengers Annual Number 10 is in the top 10. The single greatest comic book I have ever read is Infinity Gauntlet Number 4, and it's a jaw-dropper. Everybody gets their asses handed to them by Thanos. Yeah, I know. And does Odin finally have to show up and help out? You know, it's been, it's been a life. while since I've seen it. This is what happens, I believe. Uh, so you get the best of what's left. Uh, Thanos decides to kill off, uh, I think, half the universe or a third of the universe just for his own. He's trying to make uh, death notice him. He is in love with death, the the person, the, the lady death. And uh, not Lady Death, the comic with the big boob lady, but uh, just death. And he decides his mission is to get the Infinity Gauntlet, get the gems, and take over the universe. And to get her attention, he kills off a third of the people just to please her. And the greatest superheroes that are left come to his little out-in-the-middle-of-space world. He has like It's just like a flat piece of something floating in space. And he right. destroys them within minutes. 
I mean, it just takes a second. He turns Nova, I believe, into a pile of Rubik's Cubes or something like that, or just cubes. Uh, he turns Wolverine's bones, his adamantium, into sponge. He, uh, I believe he smashes in uh, Iron Man with a, his head in with a rock. Uh, oh, God. I mean, it's one of the most brutal, bloody. He destroys everyone and everything within moments. And Captain America is the last of the team, and he is standing there uh, knowing that he's going to die, but he is not scared. He comes at him with just his shield. Thanos uh, freezes his legs into the ground with like these like rock hands, and he can't mm-hmm. move. And Thanos goes to hit him. Uh, I believe just as Thanos is raising his hand, Captain America lifts his shield to protect himself. And that's when Silver Surfer sees the opportunity to get the gauntlet out of his hand. He flies in, and something he sees the glimmer, the, the shining of the surfboard, and Thanos yeah. moves his hand or whatever and loses the opportunity. And this is when the gods come in. Uh, I even think oh, Galactus, wow. I think Galactus actually steps in. They convince him somehow to show up to try to defeat Thanos, and he hands their asses to them in issue five. And I honestly cannot remember how it ends, but issue six, I know somehow Adam Warlock comes back from the dead, and he gets the glove. He takes the gems apart and gives one to a person, a trusted person or whatever, and they go out into the universe or whatever, away from each other, so you can never collect them up again. I got really excited there. Sorry. (laughs) I don't blame you. Okay. Also, I like how they introduce in this one the Watcher. Yeah, yeah, he's a great character that not a lot of people know how to use properly. It's uh, He comes in and out, and uh, uh, he's very interesting from the fact that it's such a strange premise. Right. He can't get involved. No matter what, he can't get involved, or he violates the rules of the Watcher. But I believe that he actually did once get involved. Uh, it might have been during the Infinity Gauntlet, and he was punished severely for it. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. But, I mean, he's already interfering right now just by speaking to them, like warning them about Galactus. This is, this is true. And it makes sense. And it also makes sense for Galactus to go after Thanos because Thanos is going to destroy everything. Galactus only harvests what he needs so they can so they can rebuild again. Yeah, Silver Surfer's Sacrifice is a really great one, and they play it to the right key on the cartoon. They could have played it down. Uh, they could have washed away a couple of the details to make it less tragic. The fact that he sacrifices himself, even though he has a wife, someone he loves more than anything else in the universe, but he knows the right thing is to sacrifice himself to take Galactus to other places where there are no living things. It's just you know dead planets to harvest from that. And, uh, Instead of having to absorb and t- take actual human or some kind of organic life. Yeah, and, and the fact than... that he agrees to this, Galactus agrees to this, but he gets amnesia and he can't really remember anything. And therefore, that's why he ends up, I believe, I could be wrong, is why he ends up on Earth. Because his original mission to keep Galactus away from living beings uh, is gone. He has no memory of this promise to himself and the universe. And that's why and he ends his up. home planet and wife. Yeah, because he could have taken him anywhere, but he takes them to Earth. And that's how he introduced, or that's how he was introduced into the Fantastic Four. Right, and then of course in the movie it showed, you know, the uh, Invisible Woman was the one who reminded him of his wife and why he was doing what he was doing. I actually do not mind the second one so much. It's it's very very light and fluffy. I still think the director Tim Story 
plays it uh, almost sitcom like or a children's film. But I absolutely love The Silver Surfer in that second one. It is a much better movie uh, than the first one, but then they just ruin it with. I mean, how how do you get Galactus on film? How do you do it without exactly? They turn him into a giant uh, entity, you know, surrounded by a storm. But I that mean, was done terribly, and then they killed them all well, right at the end. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, you can't kill Galactus. At least I don't believe you could. Uh, what I think is, but if you had a guy like a guy with forced perspective, like you know the way they do with the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, if you had a guy right. in a big silly suit like that, a big purple suit with a helmet and everything, walk up to Earth like Godzilla times ten, how do you right. not? How does that not laughable? That that is that is absolutely true. I understand, but still, I mean, to make him this just like Cloud who doesn't even speak is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's a very hard choice to make. You want to get Silver Surfer on the big screen because he's actually an astonishing character, great to watch. But at the same time, you take that huge risk because Galactus has to be there in order to explain Silver Surfer's origin. You can't just toss right. Silver Surfer out there. But now that they've established Silver Surfer, do they really need to do the origin story again? Or can they throw him into Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, or or uh, a Nova story, or um, I know Quasar, or Miss Marvel. <laughs> What's that? Right, honestly, or Miss Marvel, or Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. We're calling her Captain yeah. Marvel now on. Yeah, but at the same time, as it comes to, uh, as it comes to Silver Surfer, I know they intended to make a sur- a movie for him with Fox right. after you know, after another Fantastic Four movie. But considering the terrible critical backlash. For um, Rise of, uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer, it never went through. Yeah, so well, decided... it's also the fact that it cost more than the first one, but made less. So you know, you made like fifty million dollars less. They're probably like, you know what, we can't, we can't even do a new Fantastic Four. So Silver Surfer is definitely off the, off the radar. And also, I mean, Lawrence Fishburne. I don't think he was the right force for Silver Surfer. He, there, he was really dull. Yeah, that was strange. It's not the voice I had in my head. They had Doug Jones do the physical, the physicality, you know, the the motion capture. Yes. Why not have Doug Jones do the voice? He's might an actor. as well. I mean, yeah. he, did, he did he did the voice for Abe Sapien in Hellboy too. In the first movie, it was David Hyde Pierce. Right. They Doug sound Jones exactly cannot voice his own characters. Not fair. <laughs> yeah, it's just too late. I don't know if we'll ever see Silver Surfer as a main character. He might show up in the Marvel Universe. Do they even own the rights, or does Fox still own Silver Surfer? Uh, I don't know. Considering it was part of the Fantastic Four and the way they were distributing him in the second movie, they might still own the rights to him. Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, yeah. So for me, the, the cartoon is a, a must-see. It's very short-lived, but it's a must-see. You can burn through it probably in a couple days, unless you're really crazy, burn through it one day. Uh, for the comics, yeah. I say go and read the arc. I mean, you can always get like the you know when they collect up the essentials, where it's all black and white and it's like the old old comics. Those are fine, but for me, mm-hmm. it was when uh, Jim Starlin and Ron Mars were the main writers during my run, and then Ron Lim was one of the big artists. And of course, uh, the artists would change back then like a lot. It's kind of uh, but those those are fantastic. You should really read those. All right, I'll have to look into them whenever I get the chance. Boy, and in fact, I think, yes, no, I, I think I, like it's. I feel like I am looking at a comic book just from the animation of this. Yeah, I think this it is actually the uh, the Silver Surface series I'm talking about is actually the the only real 
long running uh, series that he had because I think he's just been doing mini series ever since. I don't know why Silver Surfer just isn't very popular. I don't get it either. I mean, he had, there's like a lot of there's like so much to this character and what he can do with his powers is you know perfect too, especially for like you know people who are a fan of surfing, like and this whole sci-fi genre that like puts them together. It unites surfers and nerds. Yeah, they can they can they they can live in harmony and peace. And this is the and this is the bridge that connects them. <laughs> Yeah, plus he's like on a giant surfboard floating around space. How awesome is that? Last week we did the Fantastic Four, uh, the 1994 Fantastic Four, and it mm-hmm. was one of our most popular episodes ever. I'm really happy that you guys uh, enjoyed it and downloaded it. And um, I wanted to say that uh, I, I, I really thought the video game month, July, where we just talked about video game cartoons, was going to be successful. And for the most part, every single one of those episodes was a huge flop. In fact, there are probably our worst performing episodes ever. And I'm really surprised by that. And uh, if, if, if there's a reason or what you think the reason is why they bombed, let us know. Because uh, I'm kind of confused on that one. Uh, I thought that, that with, you know, Pixels coming out. This is before Pixels actually came out and people thought it sucked. But I really thought they were going to be more popular. So this month, we're kind of focusing on, like, uh, comic book cartoons and whatnot. Yes, I know what you mean. Honestly, oh, I wish I I do hope Silver Surfer does get a movie experience, but just as long as you know, but I, I uh, they probably have to reintroduce him through Fantastic Four again. Of course, they might end up having to sell the rights to Marvel. Yeah, um, I don't know. I didn't uh, I didn't know this that this cartoon actually had really good ratings. Not you know top five. But it did really well, and uh, it was only canceled because this was part of the bankruptcy that Marvel was going through. That's the only reason this was canceled, because of the bankruptcy. That sucks. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is, uh, for people who don't know, I'm sure most people do, there was a point where Marvel Comics, uh, the company that owned them, basically squandered everything. All the the crazy profits they were making in the mid-'90s, uh, were thrown out the window so this guy could, I think his name was Ron Perlman, Perlman, uh, he owned Revlon, he kept misusing all the money that his companies were bringing in, and they found themselves at record high sales in 1992, and then in 1996 going, oh fuck, we got nothing, and canceling almost every single, they had like 30 or 40 series out there, tons of miniseries, and they were down to like six six monthlies and then a couple randoms that were just like they would test out and that was it they came so close to being nothing it's insane oh wow all because of that jackass son of a bitch jay michael straczynski was the one that was hired to write the silver surfer movie and do you know who that is wait who jay michael straczynski no he is the creator of babylon 5 now, he's done a lot of stuff. Oh. Uh, he did a really great comic in the late 90s, early 2000s called Rising Stars. I'm not 100% certain that uh, he actually finished it. But uh, he was hired. Uh, Fox does still own the rights to the Silver Surfer character. Damn it. <sighs> Uh, there was a game for the NES. In fact, I think it was the first Marvel video game I had ever seen for the Nintendo uh, I think Punisher came out quickly after, but Silver Surfer for the NES is probably the most difficult but beautiful looking games I've ever played. It is, uh, it's torturous. It's so difficult. 
I know. If you bump into the wall or the ceiling, you die. There's so many games like that back then that they were just so insanely hard. Uh, oh, that's right. He relaunched Thor. Thor was kind of falling apart in the comics, and uh, he did a very good job rebooting it. He is the showrunner, I believe, core writer on Sense8, the Wachowski's brother TV show that's on Netflix right now. And uh, Oh, wow. I think he actually wrote for a bunch of the cartoons we've discussed before. I'm pretty sure he started off on He-Man. Yeah, yeah, he Wait, wrote for He-Man and She-Ra. And the real oh, Ghostbusters. Awesome. Yeah, he wrote for the real Ghostbusters. Huh. Oh, dang, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's when he started doing like live action like Jake and the Fat Man, Murray She Wrote, Walker, Texas Rangers. These are all not very good shows, at least in my opinion. Um, then going to Babylon 5, that's a huge difference. I heard Babylon 5 is coming back. Oh, dang. Oh, man, people are going Oh, man, people are going to be going crazy for that. Yeah, you know what? I forgot. Oh, now there, there is a TV show that he did right after the whole Babylon. Babylon 5 had, had like a, a spin-off movie and a spin-off series, but when that all wrapped up, he did a show for Showtime called Jeremiah, which is based on a comic book, and it had Luke Perry, Sean Astin, and Malcolm Jamal Warner. And it was about a post-apocalyptic future where there was a disease going around killing anybody who had hit puberty. And then you find yourself fast-forwarding, I think, 15 years. And all of these children now are trying to run the world. They have no science. They have no technology. They have barely any education. It's a very, very good series, but it only lasted two years. Damn. Yeah, if you find it. two years? Yeah, I believe it's actually on Hulu, and the complete series is out there on DVD. Yeah, it was two seasons. There was a, a huge problem, I believe, with the second season. Uh, they they were having production delays. Showtime wouldn't make up their mind about a budget. And by the time the third season was up for being um, greenlit, that Showtime had just moved on, which is a shame because I believe they end up on a uh, – I think they end on a cliffhanger, which is the worst way to end a series ever. Wow. You know, I do remember a lot – hearing a lot about Babylon 5. I'd see like a – commercial for it almost every tv station yeah the first season's okay the captain is different it's when they brought in bruce boxleitner uh, as the captain in the second season when the show really started to take off damn so um i oh, yeah. can't i'm not watching the cartoon right now is it over it is over <laughs> okay sorry about that everybody um so yeah this is de a definite must see i actually would recommend this more than x-men uh, which sounds oh, wow. insane. It sounds insane, I know. I really enjoy the X-Men, but the Silver Surfer, the fact that it's such a streamlined, it looks just like the comics, uh, I actually enjoy this a little bit more. Damn, dude. I know, I think it is fun, and plus it does go into the whole uh, outer space um, you know, perspective of the Marvel Universe. Uh -huh. It's just a shame that it only got, like, what, 13 episodes? Right, right. So I guess that is it for us here at Back in Tunes. And uh, is there anything else you want to say before we go? I really hope I really hope this does become a movie, and you can bring back Doug Jones and just put him back in the suit. Yeah, yeah. Plus, like, he, he really did. He had the body. Uh, he had the body language perfectly. You know, he. Oh, well, I mean, it, it, as long as it's his, his, it's his voice. He does have a great voice. He's per he proved that when he did uh, Abe Sapien. Right. In the Hellboy two, he can act. So Let him do it. They they put the balls all over your body, right? They attach those little motion detection balls all over your body when you do the motion capture, correct? Am I wrong? Sorry, say that again? When they do motion capture, they attach all these little little detectors all over you. They look like little white balls. 
Yes, and he was actually in like an actual suit that was like all gray. Yeah. But when the silver when the silver coloring effect came on, that's when it was computer generated. Oh, okay. Well, I had a joke about balls on his face, but I, it's ruined now because I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> I was raised by wolves. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, you weren't raised by wolves. You were raised by coyotes, oh, which right, are like right, dogs yeah. crack. All right, everybody, that is it for us here at Back in Tunes. And check us out on Facebook. We have a page set up for all of our episodes. And uh, we're doing some flashback episodes here and there. So you'll catch new episodes mixed in with the old episodes. Plus, we're starting to gather up like stuff that's going on in the animation world, the news. And we like to share that with you. And if you have any comments, suggestions for cartoons we should discuss, let us know. We have finished the next quarter schedule. And uh, so those are set until uh, January 1st. So we'll, uh, any other cartoons you suggest, we'll start doing uh, during the new year. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. I can do that. All right, everybody. Thank you, and good luck with everything in the world. <laughs> Be excellent to each other. <laughs> All right, good night, everybody. Hey, welcome everybody to Back in Tunes. I'm your host, Michael, and I have a special co-host sitting with me. It's actually been a while. Uh, how's it going, Ron? It's going good, yourself? Uh, well, <laughs> if I could ever deal with these internet connections. Everybody, if you hear something weird, it's because I'm using my phone, and uh, it's the only way to get the show going for a little bit. Uh, I would just have uh, issues out on the coast. It's very diehard. Yeah, actually, it sounds decent. There's just every once in a while, it has like kind of a tin sound. But um, we are going to discuss the Smurfs and the Snorks. This is kind of a mini-sode. Usually we uh, watch the cartoons and discuss them, and I'm starting to realize that most of the time I can either, you know, like I have enough information in my head to just fill the time, and I, I don't really think you need to watch the Smurfs and the Snorks to know what we're talking about. This is probably one of the most, I, besides Scooby-Doo, I think it's the most successful cartoon of all time. It's, it was on for like 10 years, I think. Ten years. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the books right now. Uh, the uh, some people know this, some people don't. A lot of people think the Smurfs was just from the cartoon of the '80s, but originally, it was from a series of books that started in the late '50s and ran through the early '60s called Les Tromps, and it was designed by yeah Les Tromps. <laughs> I, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. It's from an artist named Peyo. And um, my first exposure to the Smurfs was not the cartoon. Was it for you? I, actually, it was. My parents got me a double-sided, giant-sized book. On one side, it had Astro Smurf. And then, for some weird reason, you had to flip it upside down and then over to the other story, which was like King Smurf or something like that. It was all about like political strife in the whole Smurf universe. And the books right. are very political, social commentary, and they ditched all of it for the cartoon, which always kind of bummed me. I don't know. I was pretty young when I was watching it, so I probably wouldn't have understood it anyway. Yeah. You know what? If I think about it now, when I was reading the books, I don't really think I got the whole um, underlying tone. 
uh, I think it was later when I, I found the books like it, I think it was around the year 2000, I found them at the bottom of a box. I was like, holy God, I didn't know I still had this thing anymore. I popped it open. I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> it's good adult. Makes for good adult reading. Yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> the Astro Smurf is more about the discovery, like opening your mind up to new ways of thinking. Uh, just because you say something is impossible, uh, which everybody in their village was saying, uh, Papa Smurf actually backed Astro Smurf and saying, you know what, you want to go to another galaxy? You're bored with the, the way this is? Let's create that for you. But the weird thing is they made up the world. They they all painted themselves right. up and pretended to be just so it would break his heart, like it would keep hope and um, imagination alive in him. And yeah. uh, that's, a, that's a strange story. But the one that really got to me was King Smurf, where basically it's this huge battle um, – over who's going to take over the village while Papa Smurf is off on like some trip to get medical supplies. That was, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was, it's funny you picked those two because those are the two that I watched. Oh really? Yeah. Or at least are they one different? of the two I've watched at least more than once. Are they different in cartoon form? Did they take out all the politics? I feel like they did. Uh, I would imagine they took out quite a bit to make it more kid friendly. But... Yeah. Um, it did seem a little, you know, Brainy got a little full of himself, you know, hung <laughs> all power does. hungry, and yeah, this and is a, okay. a lot of people got on board with him. Eventually, you know, one thing led to another. People started falling in line, and anyway, the um, the series was a spinoff of a series of books called Johan and Pee Wee. And if you have you ever seen Smurfs and the Magic Flute, I have. Now that thing, you I see think... the thing about I could have sworn that that was a movie, like a special movie that happened later in the seasons but i didn't realize it was the first one well here's where thing is it was released overseas you know in it's, its country of origin i think in the mid 70s and it kind of sat on the shelf for a while and when the cartoon hit it big is when they re-released it like edited it and revoiced it and then they released it in america probably between the second and third season and they used to play it on super 55 fox remember what it was called super 55 Yes. Yeah, they used to play that nonstop. I've seen that movie so many times. For me, that is the uh, the real version because there's no Smurfette, there's no Smurf babies. Uh, I don't know. There's no Azrael and Gargamel, and it's basically no. it's it's the first half of the movie is Johan and Pee Wee, and then they mm -hmm. go on this journey to find this magic flute that makes people dance until they pass out. And this is this evil guy. He always. He looks like uh, Bluto from uh, Popeye. Like, eh, 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 That's eh. what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he uses the flute to take over towns and steal all their stuff because people are too exhausted to fight him. And I think, if I remember correctly, they get a wizard to help them. Uh, I, I, it's, it's so hard to explain because they put him under a spell and they kind of get dizzy and they fall asleep and they wake up in the village of the Smurfs. How they got there makes no sense to me. Was it like some sort of mind transference? Were they really in the Smurfs village? <laughs> and it's all boys, and they all have the same voice, and it, they have no right. personalities. That whatsoever. annoyed me. What's that? That annoyed me. Yeah, there's. I think there was only Brainy Smurf and um, Papa Smurf. They didn't have all the fun characters, so that was kind of a bummer. But it's the cartoon that most people know. But that movie is important. I don't like the official release from Shop Factory that came out like two years ago because they changed all the voices and in my mind i have johan and peewee sounding a certain way and then this version right. is just like oh no that's weird man 
Uh, Pee Wee doesn't sound like a hey Johan, you know, like a goofball. He sounds like he's a old drunken man. He's like, hey Pee uh, Johan, let's go get the Smurfs flute. You're like, what? Ugh. Seriously? Yeah, it's creepy and weird. It doesn't sound right at all. But that's the Why original. You, I don't yeah. know. I, it's odd. Why would you do such a thing to <laughs> a classic? Anyway, at least try to sound like them. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, well, I think it's the original recording when they released it in Canada because you know in Canada you know it's French and American uh, language and I think it was released there first before it ever came to America and that's their recording of it. Uh, I just it's unsettling. Right. Oh man. Now with the Smurfs, the cartoon series, like you said, they adapted the stories. They kind of changed them. I don't think I came into the cartoon in, until about the second or third season. And Johan and Pee-wee were kind of ditched aside. And that's when they really started bringing out all the characters. There's so many of them. Uh, they said there's only 99 Smurfs. And then Smurfette is the... Well, she was created, right? She's not a real Smurf. She was, yes. Gargamel made her. She was created to trick him. So what are the Smurfs? If there are no female Smurfs, uh, you know, albeit you know, Smurfette was created, so she was not an original... What are they and how were they made? Are they fungus? Are they talking, walking fungus? <laughs> uh, that I never figured out. Are they magical characters? They just they're happened? just magical creatures, uh, what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, they're not born. Are, are they always the same age? Well, no, no, they can't. Well, Papa Smurf's old, but did he? was he born old? <laughs> <laughs> Probably saying I was generally born male. They do not physically reproduce. They do come into the world by a stork that delivers them to the village oh, from is... an unknown location. Well, that helps. Yeah. I mean, are, are, <laughs> is, is there a Smurf field where they're grown? Are they giving plant food? <laughs> I don't understand. Oh. Wow. That... Well, it says here, what? Very few Smurfs are female. As far as I know, there's only, if you count the movies, there's only two. And they were both created by Gargamel. Right. Though they don't mention that in the movie that Smurfette was created, do they? I don't recall that. I, I think there's a hint, at least a hint at um, her betrayal type of, you know, whatever. Okay. Do you like the movies, the live action movies? I actually do like them. I do too. And uh, I've not, I got so excited. I've not seen the second one. I've seen the first one. I oh, seen the both, one both are really good. Um, most of those cartoon adaptations are garbage. They're really, yes. they're either really badly designed to the point where this is an okay story, but it's painful to look at, or they're just okay. Like underdog, why did they use a real dog? That that doesn't work for me. Why don't they use a CGI? I don't get it. Or Yogi Bear looks so awful. Whoever designed Yogi Bear did not care whatsoever. It's just like it's CGI. Kids love CGI. Just put it out there. I, everything I've heard about that, it says just walk away. It's it's painful. <laughs> Uh, I do like the Scooby-Doo, the sequel, the Monsters Unleash. Uh, I think right. the story is closer to the cartoons, um, and the animation is actually quite good. What's the? I say. Uh, so I was talking about the um, going back to the Smurfs, Hank Azaria doing the Gargamel. If they couldn't have oh, got yeah. a better person. For no, him, they I couldn't. Think. He is perfect, and they treated <laughs> Azrael. Awesome. Here's the thing: the, the the Smurfs movies, the design on them is, uh, I would say, exact. Like, they didn't uh, right. movie-fy it, or they didn't uh, try to um, 
make it look more realistic. They look cartoonish. They're just a three-dimensional version of the cartoon, which is the exact right way to do it. And exactly. they kept Azrael. Uh, is Azrael is CGI, or is he a cat with an animated face? I can never figure that out. I'd have to watch it again to see. I, I would venture to say the latter. Yeah. But... Uh, Right. What's the the there's a one there's a movie that's in pre production it seems like forever I don't know if they shut it down but uh, Hong Kong Fui I saw the demo reel of that yes. and they got it right it looks just like Hong Kong Fui and they got Eddie Murphy and I'm like perfect and that's the way they I so hope they do that yeah that's the way they need to do it whenever they try to modify things uh, I feel like there's a couple others Garfield Garfield uh, they kind of kept close to the design. But then they screwed it up by making Odie a real dog. And you're like, wait, what? Right. I don't. Right. Well, how, why is he that? And why is he this? Uh, I don't get that movie at all. So it's 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 really difficult. But the Smurfs movies, I feel like they get it right. The second Smurfs movie didn't do very well. So they're trying, they're changing the, the way they do the third one. The third one is going to be all 2D animation. It's going to look just like the original cartoons, just with the best 2D animation you can get. On a live action, or are they going to do no full animated? They movie? it's fully animated. There's no live action, which is probably a bummer for Neil Patrick Harris because that was some good bread and butter paycheck right there for him. But uh, they got rid of all. He could do the voice. He could do the voice. That's right. He could be. Um. God, there's like a thousand Smurfs. Who Who is your favorite? I always like Jokey Smurf. Uh, hefty or handy. I'd have to say, Jokey was a lot of fun, too. But. Yeah, Jokey, though, he I think he's been toned down because he had bombs, which isn't right. kosher now. <laughs> yeah, that'd be bad. I mean, I'm sure people are like, he's more like the terrorist Smurf. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> Although, uh, if I had to relate to any of them, it probably ended up being Clumsy. Yeah, Clumsy is great. He's actually my, is, he's the main character in the, the movies, and he uh, yeah. Anton Yelkin does his voice work who played Chekhov in all the Star Trek movies. He right. He's so endearing with his voice work. He's perfect. Oh, Farmer Smurf. Yeah? I think he's kind of cool. I, I like him. Now, the, there's uh, probably about a thousand Smurfs when it comes to the merchandising, but in the cartoons, they're pretty strict. But uh, I remember... Uh, do you remember Children's Palace by Glenbrook Mall? Oh, yeah. Okay, people, this is really insider stuff. We used to live, I used to live in Indiana <laughs> before Toys R Us, because Toys R Us was completely alien to people in Indiana. I think there was one in Chicago, and that was it. We had a franchise called Children's Palace, and I believe Toys R Us bought them out in the mid-90s, and it became Toys R Us. But Children's Palace was mecca for, for us as kids. We're just like, you get to go like twice a year at best. And you just be in there like, oh, can I stay here forever? <laughs> but in a glass case. Uh, and they had to get a key to unlock it because I guess people were stealing the Smurfs like crazy. Mm -hmm. They had those little tiny vinyl Smurfs. They were not in packaging. They just had a little tag on them with a, a UPC on them. And I believe in 1983, they were $4.99 because... I think they were imported. They weren't made in America. They had to import them. That's why it was so expensive. The weird thing is, today, you can go into an independent toy store and find them for four ninety nine. So, I guess that's the one thing <laughs> um, inflation did not affect. No. I still have... Really? $4.99? Yeah, I still have a few. I think they have the tags on them. I have uh, Director Smurf. 
I have Devil Smurf and I have Angel Smurf, and I like to walk around with them on my shoulders. <laughs> they help me make decisions. <laughs> and I think I have a couple others, but I used to have like 30 or 40, but um, they start. I realized how much they were worth. I was like, I gotta sell these bad boys. Oh, uh, why? 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 Because I needed money. Well, there's that. Yeah. I'm pretty... I don't think I ever owned any of those. If I did, they're long gone. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, think we I have got... a couple around here that belong to Irina, but. Yeah, I uh, I found a bunch of them at a garage sale, so that's where I got most of them. I got them like in the like when everybody's dumping their Ataris and their GI Joes and uh, Star Wars, whatever. I grabbed a handful, but I would get like one every Christmas. So. Right. I had one. Uh, I think it was a flying. It was like a Superman Smurf, and. He had something, I believe, like off his fist. Like he was punching something that was kind of connected to him. And for some reason, I it entertained me to twist it off until it broke off. And then years later, I'm like, why did I do that? That's one of the most expensive, rare Smurfs ever. I'm so dumb. Well, we were all pretty dumb as kids. So. Yeah. Were you, were you ever one to take a crayon to your action figures and draw blood on them like they got beat up? I never drew blood on them, but I've been known to draw tattoos and things like that <laughs> at least i never threw my toys off the roof you always hear like your friend go yeah i had a ton of he-mans but one day i decided to be funny to throw them off the roof see if they could fly and you're like what how how would that ever yeah. work it's like it was entertaining <laughs> somebody decided to steal my uh, okay i say steal but they probably they they say got thrown to the dump on the accident but i have a feeling the boxes of trash that we got instead of the boxes of my toys yeah were swapped accidentally on purpose yeah that, who... i used to have a bunch of he-man toys but yeah anyway i digress um uh, i'll say this this is one thing that has nothing to do with smurfs um i had this i was i was kind of a klepto for about two years i started stealing like crazy and um i was at my best friend's house this tells you what a horrible child i was best friend's house and he had the rare third run of Snake Eyes, the one that came with the dog. I stole it. Yeah. And then I took it to my um, my uncle's house, whatever, and there was a kid there I'd never met before, and I was kind of showing off. I was like, hey, look at this. I found one of the, the G.I. Joe Snake Eyes from a few years ago, and I set it on the counter, and we went to play like, you know, you know how you run around the house with toy guns, you kind of pretend to shoot each other? Yep. You know, whatever you call that, just shoot them. Back when kids actually had guns that looked like guns, and I can't believe we're not all dead. Uh, right. And then uh, he's like, "Hey, I gotta go." I was like, "We've only been playing for like five minutes." He goes, "Yeah, I gotta go." And then uh, I went to the back to the counter like five minutes later. I was like, "Oh, come on, man! He stole my yeah. snake eyes." I was all mad karma. about it. But if fair is fair. I I stole it. He stole it. It's, it's karma. <laughs> That'll teach you. Yep, I deserved it, and I acted like all high. My was like, "Oh, what a jerk." We should punish him. I was like, wait, no, I'm the jerk. I started this whole mess. And your friend's in the corner weeping right now. Yeah. Hey, that's weird. Oh, no, it's weird. There is, a, there is a Smurfs movie from 1987. Or not 1987. I'm sorry. I read that backwards. Uh, it's from 1965. It's an 87-minute animated movie that was black and white. And it consisted of five short cartoons put together for a movie. I can't believe that. Maybe this is why I've never seen it, because one of the shorts is called The Black Smurfs. <laughs> now, there has been there has been uh, talk for many, many years about the Smurfs were racist, 
taken off the air because people were getting very irate about it. So, who knew? And the show was on for, it looks like, nine seasons. That's a lot of episodes. Wow. And uh, I've seen everyone at least 15 times. What's that? <laughs> I've probably seen everyone at least 15 times. Yeah. It's one of those shows that uh, definitely has repeat value. But I find myself constantly find oh that's I've seen that one before oh I've seen that one before. How is a show on for like two hundred and something episodes and, and somehow I find myself going, I just saw this one not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine like anything else, I probably haven't seen them all fifteen times. I've seen like a handful of them fifteen times. Yeah, there or is thirty a, times. There's a Smurf Park. King's Entertainment Corporation uh, says around 1984, the Smurfs began appearing in theme parks owned by King's Entertainment Corporation. Each park featured a Smurfy attraction and walk-around figures. In 1989, they opened up a complete Smurf park called the Big Bang Shrump. So that'd be called the Big Bang Smurf. That's weird. That's awesome. That, that's a weird name, though. Uh, in 1991, oh my God, they should. If that park still exists, they should have the cast. A Big Bang Theory shoot an episode there, and and, and all they do is drop the the Smurf. That's the great thing about Smurf is that they they fill in phrases with the word Smurf, so it's like the word dude, where it can mean so many different things. That's the great thing about uh, like if you want to get mad at someone, I'm so Smurfed at you, <laughs> you Smurf. <laughs> I think I, okay, I'm looking at pictures of Smurf Park or something. I think I am. Yeah. Big life-size, well, they're all blow-up houses. I thought you could walk into them. Oh, that's, well, that's a bummer. Not right. No. But it says here that uh, um, that there's going to be a new theme park opening in 2020 in, I don't know where this is, Laida, Catalonia? Uh, no. I, I, Idea. No, that, that, I think it's in France or Belgium, maybe Belgium. Um, it's a weekend wow. trip. There are a lot of games for the Smurfs, too. I've, there are games for almost every single system ever made, and uh, including the ColecoVision. Wow, that's not a lot of companies can say they've uh, had a game on ColecoVision and the PlayStation. <laughs> and my Android phone. Oh, yeah, what do you have on your phone? Uh, that's one of the Smurfs games that came out when the first movie came out. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember the one for the Atari. I had one for the Nintendo, too, and the graphics are actually pretty solid. It was a, it was a right. challenging game, though, for sure. Smurfs comic, yeah, I think DC comic, no, Marvel Comics released uh, some Smurfs comics. I remember those being pretty awesome. Uh, the TV series, I actually want to find out how many episodes it was on for. Curious. It was on for nine Smurfs. season, 256 episodes. That is, a, I think that might be a record. I don't even know how many of The Simpsons are on. They might be past that by now. Yeah. Are they done yet? <laughs> the Simpsons, they should have wrapped up already. I mean, it's the 25th year, and the show hasn't been funny for the last three or four, and it's like, you guys really... St it's like the minute that movie came out, and the movie's awesome. The Simpsons should have ended with the movie, and then every three years just do a new movie. I don't understand what they were thinking, because now it's to the point where the ratings suck. It's it's starting to become like one of those things like, oh, really? It's still on? Ended already. Uh, I always look forward to the Halloween episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You if they could have kept doing that, I'd have been happy. Well, why don't they just do specials? Why don't they just do, mm -hmm. like, a, a, a Christmas special, a Halloween special, and then a couple others, whatever, you know, just to cover any hot topic or whatever they want to talk about. But I still think the movies is the way to go because it's getting really bad, dude. It's to the point almost of Family Guy. And I know some people love Family Guy. I think it's god-awful crap. Right. I do, too. I was looking... I mean, there's, there's rude and crude, and then there's just... just... 
Well, the first few seasons were interesting, and I think the after that, when it came back the second time around, it was just lazy, just so lazy, and I was like, oh, this isn't even entertaining. I'm looking at some of the voice actors here for the Smurfs. Uh, Renee Aubergianis was one of the voice actors. Do you know who that is? Aubergianis? Uh, Renee Aubergianis. He was on, I want to say, Star Trek Deep Space, Deep Space Nine. Nine. Yeah, and he was on Benson and stuff like that. Really great actor. Ed Begley Jr. Uh-huh. did voice works for it. Uh, Ruth Buzzy. She's the one that always had the tag on her head. No, no, no. No, that was somebody else. That was... Uh, who was the one that was on Hee Haw with the tag on her head? That wasn't Ruth Buzzy, was it? That was Minnie Pearl. Minnie Pearl. Ruth Buzzy. Is she the one that was on laughing and always hit someone with a purse? Uh, hey, how about I look it up and stop being sounds enough? familiar, but I, yeah, there we go. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, she was on laughing. She's the one that used to be on the bench and would uh, uh, slap the guy for being naughty. And uh, oh, oh, Ham- oh, Hamilton Camp is oh, one of my favorite voice thing. actors. He did uh, Greedy Smurf. He's amazing. Frank Walker. Imagine that. Yeah, he's in he's in ninety percent of the cartoons we discuss, uh, and Peter Cullen, of course, he played um, Optimus Prime. I'm trying to look for people who June are unusual. Frey. Yeah, June Frey's a legend. Is she still alive? Do you think? I think she. Is. I don't know. Phil Hartman. Wow. Seriously? Yeah, Phil Hartman, Artie Johnson, who was also on Laugh, and he was the one that always got slapped with the bag. <laughs> uh, Henry Gibson, also another Laugh in. I wonder if this they shared the same agency. Uh, Jonathan Winters took over Grandpa Smurf in the series for the last three seasons. I did not know that. that... Colin Oppenheimer? Yeah, uh, he did, uh, I want to say he did Man at Arms. Man of Arms or whatever he, uh, on He-Man. Skeletor. He did Skeletor? He's the voice of Skeletor, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kenneth Mars. Kenneth Mars is the one from... Uh, a young Frankenstein. He's the one with a hand that would constantly slap around and move. He was a Mel Brooks uh, regular. Awesome. He was the crazy German in the producers. <laughs> you did that too well. Yes, I did. I, I planned on taking over for a long time when it was on stage. I was like, no, it got shut down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many. We keep going with this, but those are the, some of the major names that would do this cartoon. And this is before known actors would do voiceover work this is what's been some good uh good uh break for a lot of these guys and just like oh well i can just come in for a day and do some voices and i make a good paycheck that sounds good to me that's awesome i, I would love to be able to do that but I, I just don't have the voice for it yeah i i try to the the guy who i usually host this show with jacob he is the master he can almost replicate anybody's voice uh by hearing it once Every once in a while, I'll find one for him. Like, he can't do a Jeff Goldblum to save his life. But usually, I can give him a voice, and he picks it up immediately and just does an imitation of it. I think he should go into voice work, and yet, I don't think he wants to. Really? Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I was like, what, what are you going to work at Target the rest of your life? Go do some voice work. <laughs> maybe maybe I can woo him later that. into doing it. Now, so you may not make a killing at it but at least it would be you know something you could say to your kids one day hey, yeah I did this it's like once in my life. hey kids you like this cartoon i did that voice like daddy that's That'd awesome, awesome. <laughs> i would love to be able to say that <laughs> the smurfs were during the 80s a lot of the tv shows that you would watch as the kids would get older they would get replaced or not replaced but there'd be a new child that came in just to keep that aw factor going i call it the cousin oliver rule and uh, <laughs> it's like the Brady Bunch, I think, was the first show to do that, where they brought in a new kid for a while. But, uh, right. you know, Growing Pains did it. Family Ties did it. Uh, and so many shows did it. 
And even the Smurfs did it. In the last few seasons, they brought in all the baby Smurfs. And baby that, Smurfs. that is the point, actually, where I said, eh, I'm out of here. I, I was checking yep. out. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's, it seemed like a, a desperate grasp. My sister loved it, though. She was so happy they brought in the babies. And I was like, that's cool. You can keep watching it. I'm going to go watch Galaxy High or Teen Wolf or whatever was on. <laughs> The funny thing is, it was a Muppet Babies was on, and I love that. That's weird, isn't it? But it's because I think I think it's because it began and ended with the same concept. Uh, even as right. a child, I was like, "Oh, is this a Jump the Shark moment for a cartoon where they start bringing in the babies?" It's like when they brought in Scrappy Doo and uh, uh, Scooby Doo. You're like, "Oh, they've ran out of ideas. They're desperate now." Yeah, I always wanted to shoot the TV every time he came. Anyway. Puppy power. <laughs> uh, so I think that's pretty much it uh, with me on Smurfs. Is there anything else you want to say about it? No, that's about it for me. All right, so our next cartoon is the Snorks. Give me just a sec for the theme song of that one. Uh, you know what? Hold on. Do we need the theme song for Snorks, really? I've heard it. It's terrible. <laughs> it is bad. Yeah, Very... I, uh, I don't even want to know why I said that, because I knew going in it was going to be garbage. The Smurfs one... <laughs> Literally, you can just walk up to anybody uh, between the ages of, like, 10 and 50 and just walk up to them and go, la, 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 la. And I'm like, I love the Smurfs! <laughs> if you even tried to, like, hey, you remember the Snorks? They're like, no, what was what was that about? Well, hold on, let me get the theme song for it. And uh, before you get the first note out, ears are bleeding, babies are crying, you know, the earth is cracking. It's It's insanely bad. And you have to describe it as basically the Smurfs underwater because it yep. seems like a really obvious uh, – the plot itself is a little bit different, but the basic setup is the Smurfs underwater, and that's what's kind of damaged its legacy for sure. The sad part is, yeah, because it, it can't live up to the Smurfs. That's the problem. I've watched only two episodes, and I'm like, why did I ever think this was good? Right. I think I only <laughs> ever watched the first season. And it feels like the kind of show where they're constantly changing the concept and re-editing things just to somehow get somebody interested in it. Same company that was behind it, so you'd think it would be as successful, but sometimes lightning does not strike twice. It's like, uh, how is it that the same guys who did WKRP, so amazing, came back 10 years later with the new WKRP, and there's no magic whatsoever. The show sucked. Done. Yep. And, uh, she left it well enough alone. Yeah. Almost the same exact voice cast. Uh, almost everybody that was on the Smurfs was also doing Snorks. I wonder what it was like in the 80s because you know the cartoons that we watched as kids. When you reflect on them, it's like, wait, that guy was like in every single cartoon that I watched. Like the guy who would do right. the voice of Duke on G.I. Joe. And then you're like, oh, I swear I just watched a cartoon with him. Uh, I wonder if it was lined up for them. It's like, okay, so Monday you're doing the Smurfs. Tuesday, you're doing the Snorks. Third, uh, Wednesday, you're doing the Smurfs. I mean, they had something every single day, and it must have been really easy for them, but they probably got confused if they had to go to different uh, recording studios. What voice do I use? Just use the same voice you use. <laughs> right. The guy who did uh, uh, Fred's voice on Scooby-Doo, I think he used the yeah. same exact tone in every single cartoon he appeared in. You're just like, it's no different. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. he, was a good, he was a good beachcomber. <laughs> You know, anyway, I have to say this, I, I didn't really do any research on the Snorks because my brain kind of fried and, you know, just I couldn't deal with it. Uh, so this is going to be a quick 
talk about the the snorks um it looks like it's from belgium as well they tried to get payo involved and uh i don't think he wanted anything to do with it uh it, this was on for four years but it was four desperate years where i think it was carried by the steam of the smurfs like i think they aired back to back and it's just like well what are we gonna watch next well this is on and that's it and i remember they kept changing so the name just trying to get it popular again. I sw I think this actually didn't even finish on a network. I think it ended on USA. Do you remember? Uh, yeah. What was that show? It was like a train. Uh, I can tell you right now because I was just watching it. It's uh, USA Cartoon Express. Yeah. I feel like the show ended there and not on a network. I could be wrong. But I remember uh, that Cartoon Express was a good way to catch cartoons you missed the first time around. Right. So I didn't get USA. We didn't have cable. Yeah. I, I, I so would, I got to watch things when I went to Grandma's on the weekend. That was yeah. It. Um, my uh, uncle, who was just a few months older than me, he had cable, and I would catch stuff there. But I gotta tell you, if you get the access to cable, the last thing you're gonna be watching is Cartoon Express. You're gonna be like, "What's on HBO? Cinemax. What can I see that'll get me in trouble?" <laughs> What's on Cinemax late at night? Yeah. Or you know what? I feel like I watched a lot of movies. I think I watched Howard the Duck roughly a thousand times to the point where I think he purposely lost the tape or erased it it's like oh it's an accident because i can't watch this movie again <laughs> way to go mike i know I did, I did that with goonies uh howard the duck um revenge of the nerds 2 i think that's about it but there was like a, a few movies i would just watch a uh, willow i watched willow over and over to the point where the tape was warped and broken i oh, can't think I, I can't think of one movie i watched over and over and over again Really? You weren't that kind of person? I had problems with that, man. My sister had the same thing, too. She would watch Major League, of all things, every single day after school. And then it was replaced with Wayne's World. Who knew, you know, that a girl would be into those? <laughs> My sister, it was Titanic, but that was much later. <laughs> oh, God, that's one I never want to... Re I, I never want to... I've, I've seen movies in theaters three times. I saw Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three times, and I saw The Frighteners twice. And after that, I realized, oh, there's a lot of movies out there I can watch and pay money for instead of the same thing, you know, because video, there's home video. I can deal with it. But those women and Titanic, uh, this is the 15th time I've seen it. Really? The 15th? I wonder, I wonder if they're going to make it this time. Yeah. I was like, do you think the ending's going to change? Because I'm pretty sure it's the same movie again. Why don't you just wait a few more months for video? Then you'll be good. And then it's like, no, I, 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 I love this movie. I have to see it again. I was like, I've seen every movie on that marquee in the time that you've seen this movie 15. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's their money. They can do what they want. Well, we're right. really off on a tangent here. Well, I guess that tells you that we have what? nothing We have nothing to say about snorks. It, it sucked. Well, it's, it's one of those cartoons where, okay, it, it felt like everybody was tripping over each other as they're saying the lines. And obviously, you know what I mean? It just yeah. it rushed through everything. I hate that. There is one thing I do say about the cartoon which impressed me is the motion they have when they're floating around in the water. They use their yeah. snorks and the air propels them around. And while it seems in completely impossible that their snork could twist around like that without causing insane pain. I mean, my dog's tail can't twist around. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, what do you call that? The, the movement, the science of movement. Oh my God, not kinesiology. Um, 
whatever. It's it's how the air is moved, and the animators really thought out how. Well, if the air is coming from this direction, how does the body float through water? And I was actually impressed by that. And that's a really strange thing to be impressed about in a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to find something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it is Hanna Barbera. I think a lot of times. Hanna Barbera could get the right animation, but then the terrible stories, or they get good stories right. and terrible animation. And I think Smurfs is one of the few things out of the '80s where they got it right, because the '80s was a very, very rough period. I think for Hanna Barbera, they were completely lost. And uh, I think, I think they were doing like some really god awful crap. Like the, do you remember the Fonzie cartoon? There was like a Laverne oh, and no. Shirley and Fonzie cartoon. You're like, what? You're Hanna Barbera. Come up with something original. Why? I know, right? What did it say? Uh, what did I have? Like 68-something episodes of Snorks? Yeah, and I don't even know how they got that far. But it looks like I was right. They sold the last season in syndication to USA Network. And I guarantee you uh, the, the animation quality was probably even worse. The stories were probably uh, – these are scripts we never used for the first three seasons because they weren't good enough. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead and use them. All right. We're good. How much are USA giving nice. us? Oh, can we have monkeys and interns draw this? Okay. <laughs> 89. Okay, I'm looking at the original run on this. It was eight, 1989. That was, holy crap, six years before we graduated. I didn't think it went on that late. Yeah, I, I, I thought did. it was a lot earlier than that, but... Yeah, well, I think it came in about halfway through the Smurfs run, and they started, like, saying, well, you guys, you've been with us for a long time. You can go off and spin your own thing. I don't know. I don't know how it works in cartoons. It doesn't seem to work the same way it does in regular live-action TV. Um, it looks like uh, it wasn't until Turner Broadcasting took over uh, the Hanna-Barbera cartoons is when they got really good. Do you remember they relaunched, like, uh, Johnny Quest? It was really cool. It's like, in cyberspace. Yes. And they had uh, Pirates of Dark Water and SWAT cats, and they started getting cool again in the 80s, man. Uh, I don't know what was going on. It was really bad. I miss the heyday of, like, the Flintstones, Jetsons, Huckleberry Hound, you know, uh, uh, like uh, Scooby-Doo and uh, Captain Caveman. <laughs> yes. That was... So you, yeah. Like, anything that's out these days, I don't take any offense if you guys like these shows, but a lot of the cartoons are out these days just too weird and off the wall for me. There's some... Just, well, are you watching Adult Swim? Or are you watching like what's regular on Cartoon Network? Cause just the... what's regular? It's like nothing for my kids to watch on Saturday anymore. It's it's just brainless, well, there's no numbingly there's, dumb stuff. You there's, know? there's there's like... no there's no more network cartoons. I think the CW was the last network airing original content on Saturday mornings, and everybody just stopped. And that's a real bummer because that was such a normal thing for us. You know, you you catch cartoons in the morning with Froggy's Place, and uh, right. in the afternoon with Happy uh, Happy the Hobo Show. Okay, people from Indiana are the only ones that are gonna know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> right. But on the weekends, you're like, uh, oh, I get to sleep in, cool. And then around nine o'clock, you get up and we start watching cartoons until noon, and uh, you know that 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 was such an important part. And then you go play for the rest of the day. Now kids are just like. I got cartoons all day, nothing special about this. And yes, they are very weird. There's some stuff that people talk about and I sit there going, um, what, what's the show about again? Why is the animation so horrible? There's no, uh, the art, the, the, um, the design work on a lot of these cartoons is purposely bad. And I don't know why. Right. I don't know why. Is it the weird imagery that, that kids are just like, this is cool. Just cause it's so, so my strange. Daughter's... 
my daughter's into one called Gravity Falls. That that's one that might have a little bit of something going for it, but they're few and far between these days. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, I think it's weird that uh, I watch Adult Swim, and it really bugs me that yes, I know it's a parody cartoon, uh, the Mike Tyson mysteries. Um, <laughs> it, 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 in itself, it's actually pretty funny because it's a parody of all those crazy cartoons we watch as kids, like Mr. T and right. uh, Scooby-Doo or whatever, just taking all those shows and making a weird hybrid. But you realize Mike Tyson is a rapist. He went to jail for that crime, and he's violent. He ripped a man's ear off for Pete's sake, and he gets a cartoon? Are you kidding me? And then, you know, yeah. Dukes of Hazzard gets yanked off the air because the flag is on the car, and... The flag is one of those things that's kind of questionable. It's it's gray because some people use it for really bad things, and some people use it for just normal every day. It's 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 a touchy subject, I get. But if you're gonna pull Dukes of Hazard or whatever for these little tiny you know things here and there, why are you allowing Mike Tyson to have a cartoon on the Cartoon Network? That is insane to me. Yep, I hear you. Yeah, uh, don't don't even get me started on the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, we we talked about that earlier. <laughs> Um, everybody, uh, we, I, I would apologize for this because we didn't really cover the snorks, but there really is nothing to talk about. And I think we have, uh, I actually like having conversations where we're having a real conversation instead of me looking at Wikipedia and it's a cartoon, then Wikipedia and the cartoon just throwing things out there to fill time. <laughs> um, so I kind of, I kind of like the way this is going. If, if you guys don't, let me know. Um, there's some things like I go off on tangents sometimes and it, it seems like everybody's cool with that. But um, I guess it's time to wrap this up. Check us out on Facebook. We're under Back in Tunes. Uh, and that wonderful art design that you see here and at our uh, parent company, if you want to call it a parent company, Retro Rock Entertainment, all those designs are done by Ron. And uh, they're fantastic. People are loving them. Awesome. I want to slap them on a shirt. I want to wear them around with that artwork on it. It's, it they're so uh, – I just love the design. Uh, so check us out there. We have every episode of Back in Tunes on that page. And we're just – reposting new ones mixing in with flashback episodes if you missed them and that is it for me and thank you ron for being my guest on this show hey uh, anytime all right everybody have a good night goodbye hasta la vista